right, North South Connection, we are back with another installment of Making the Case, greatest WWE superstars of all time. Today I'm joined by Ryan Everett. We kicked Tyler Kelly right to the fucking curb. We said, get the fuck out of here, dude. Enough of your act. You know, let's, oh, yeah. get, let's let the two Ryans get, get the main event going, the two heavy hitters, and uh, enough of that Tyler fella. Ryan, what's going on, man? Not too much, you know. To to tip my hand a little bit, I had to put Tyler on the list. Oh, Tyler, I, I I think Tyler's on a lot of lists, but we're that's <laughs> we're not gonna really get into that. We don't want to let that out of the bag. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> that's a whole other sentence. I'm just kidding, Tyler. We miss you, buddy. But there was a little gap in the scheduling, so I said, hey, do we want to accelerate our schedule a little bit and kind of feeling froggy i want to get after it and do some heavy hitters and i kind of threw triple h out there and ryan counter with jericho or i threw jericho out there and so oh, we got here at the end of the day and we wanted to do some heavy hitters we kind of wanted to make the case for both these guys the guy i'm representing triple h i think might be a little a little low on people's list and the guy you're representing jericho i think is a little high on people's list so yeah <laughs> You know, yeah, they kind of coincide a little bit. Um, it's two different paths. Jericho is way more consistent. Triple H has a few more highs, as we'll get into. And Triple H has a lot of lows, and Jericho doesn't really have many lows. Or if he does, they're kind of just average. So, I don't know. We'll uh, we'll get into that, Tyler. Or, excuse me, Ryan. <laughs> this is the part of the podcast where I asked Tyler where Jericho and Triple H finished in 2017. Ryan, do you have that information? Or do you want me yes. to? I did. I checked it out, and it was Chris Jericho finished at number 10, and Triple H finished at number 21. Interesting. Number 10, that seems high. That just seems high to me, but hey, I could be off. I could be off. I know Jericho is like, kind of like an indie darling in a way, in a way, and this is an indie you – know, <laughs> this is an internet <laughs> website, so yes. I can see that. And Triple H is a you know an internet hater, and this is an internet podcast, so it's kind of kind of falling into line a little bit there. But where did you have Jericho in Triple H in 2017 on your personal list? Yeah, I was pretty close. Actually, I was one higher on each of them. I had Jericho at number nine, and I had Triple H at number twenty. Okay, perfect. Well, I had him right smack in the middle of you. I had Triple H at 15, and I had Jericho at 16. Okay, yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm very close, very, very close on both of these guys. I do feel Triple H is, you know, you, you can't deny the peaks with Triple H. Right. Um, and with I, and I, you know, if you have listening to me with really on all my podcasts, I am a glass half full kind of guy. So with a guy with Triple H with a lot of peaks and valleys, I'm gonna I'm gonna value the value the the, the heights real a lot more, and then the low lights I'm really one I don't really think they're one some as I go back we'll see and we'll get into I really don't think they're that bad, and then two I don't know just some of them are just there yeah I, 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 they're undeniable for sure so it's just really weighing that if you're a glass half empty kind of guy i can definitely see why triple h is 60 50 40 30 20 yeah. whatever so yeah, i think with triple h it's, a lot of it is just the backstage stuff people kind of weigh that in with it and we can get into that as we go yeah that that's true too but then again hey this is a guy that lost 14 13 14 times at wrestlemania but i guess <laughs> 
again, yeah. again, again, that's 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 camouflaging his ego, really saying, what do you mean? I'm a politician. I just lost 15 times. Or, you know, I, I, I see through it a little bit, too, guys. I get it. I get it. So I just, you know, it's kind of the vibe we're going with. Like, I get it. But where we're at. But all right. Uh, excuse me. That's the second time I've done that. <laughs> Ryan, you just got to ignore with it and roll with the punches, buddy. But um, the 10 categories we're going to be looking at is longevity, charisma, star power, flexibility, peak moments, storylines, promo skills, character work, work rate, and work resume. Now, Ryan, any questions or any concerns before we get going? No, I think we should be good. All right. We get into their week by week Raw SmackDown results, right? Oh, nice, nice, quick, nice, quick podcast. Uh, did, did I mention this is part one of 53 on, <laughs> on making the case for these two guys if we're going down that road? So, yeah, uh, superstars in 2010, Chris Jericho defeated our <laughs> truth in a nine minute. Get the fuck out of here. All right, Ryan, what do you got for longevity in Chris Jericho? All right, so for Chris Jericho, it's a little choppy, but he came in in August of 99. The Millennium Clock struck to zero. He walked out, and he stayed around until 2005, and this was an initial kind of like oversized rock star character that kind of built off what he did had done WCW, just kind of larger than life. Then he went away for two years, and started to, the videos for him to come back showed up in 2007 and he came back and at first he was kind of doing the same character just with short hair but then eventually he had a heel turn and it became uh, like a smart thinking man's heel kind of a lot of I remember at the time a lot of people saying he remember uh reminded of um of Nick Bachwinkle type of yes. hair and then in 2000, September of 2010, he goes away again. And anytime he's away, he's usually touring with Fozzy or I think this one was uh, Dancing with the Stars. But he comes back right at the beginning of 2012 and does the gimmick where he just comes out and like gets chairs and then goes back to the back until the Royal Rumble or he's back in it. And here he's in a feud with he eventually gets in a feud with CM Punk. That's kind of his main uh, foil at this time. And then at over the summer, he turns face. So he goes away for about six months from SummerSlam to Royal Rumble, actually. He loses a loser leaves town match, and then he re- re- comes back at the Rumble. He's in it for about another six months till about the summer. Then he leaves out there. And then in 2014, he came in for a quick, like, three-month program, kind of with the Wyatts, getting involved with them. And I think he had a Orton match in there on pay-per-view. Um, in 2015, he wrestled, but he had a deal where he only did house shows, which is kind of interesting. And he actually does show up, though, through the house shows on uh, two network specials, one in Japan against Neville and then against Kevin Owens at Madison Square Garden. And then he comes back on TV in 2016. And he's, this is where he gets into his uh, feud with AJ Styles and then eventually teams with Kevin Owens and starts the list 
calling people stupid, stupid idiots. And he sticks around then until about April 2017, leaves after that. And then he would make an appearance at Raw 25. And then his last in-ring action was the greatest Royal Rumble. So adding all that up, kind of rounding up, I said about 12 years total for Chris Jericho. Oh, wow. Interesting. All right. So I was curious of that total, and I'm glad you did the the grunt work and added it up. So 12 years total from 1999 to 2018. Wow. Yeah. And I, I should note, when he was there, he's never really out with an injury. I mean, I was thinking about it. It's very hard to think of a time where he's there and he's not on a pay-per-view. He is pretty consistently there. It helped. I'm sure the time off helped him avoid those big time injuries but like never blew out a knee or anything like that that i could really remember yeah that's very that's very true um yeah interesting that you say that so he went heavy for pretty much SummerSlam 99 ish to SummerSlam 2005 ish so six years yeah yeah that was his big one never injured huh interesting interesting very cool all right so Triple H debuted in early 1995 with vignettes, and he debuted in-ring on a wrestling challenge in April 1995 against Buck Zumoff. And he was pretty much Hunter Hearst Helmsley until early, until late 1997, where he would join Triple H, and then, you know, uh, HBK would kind of just transition him into Triple H instead of Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Uh, So 97, 98, he's Triple H's sidekick in, in DX. 98-99, he is the DX leader. 99 to 2001 is the uh, McMahon-Helmsley era, pretty much, with the two-man power trip. At the end of that, he blows out his knee and returns in 2002, wins the Rumble, joins, uh, kind of has his little flares kind of always, always lurking a little bit, especially when he kind of turns heel in the summer of 02. Uh, has that DX reunion real quick. Turns on HBK again, um, and then at the end of 02, early 03, starts jo- uh, forming Evolution all the way to the beginning of 2005, where he would then feud with Orton, then feud with Batista, and then feud with Triple uh, Flair at the end of 2005. And then he was just kind of a singles guy at the early 2006, started DX again until to, until 2007, where he blew out his knee for the second time, um, returned in oh, late Oh, no, SummerSlam 07. He, uh, babyface again, kind of just a babyface. And then he went to SmackDown, had that babyface run on SmackDown, returned to Raw in 09, started DX again with HBK leading into 2010, where HBK would uh, go on to uh, retire. That's when kind of Triple H reti- kind of transitioned real quickly after that to a part time role. 010, uh, 2010 to 2012. He was kind of like just the uh, kind of like the what's that? What was his part, brand officer? Part, yeah, yeah, the brand officer. And it was he was a part timer pretty yeah. consistently with, with with dipping his fuse with like what with uh, t- that's when he was feuding with Taker. And, and then he would feud with Lesnar. Lesnar would break his arm. He would have that return feud with Lesnar at the beginning of 03 and then 03 at the SummerSlam. He had that turn where he was the referee, and then he started the authority kind of all the way up to 2005, 
2015. Yeah, 15. Through early 2015, they ended it at Survivor Series and then they reinstated it. Reinstated it. He had the Sting stuff at at at, at 15, and then 16 he would become the champ at the Royal Rumble, and then he would just kind of really slow down, have various feuds with, with Batista, Rollins, dipped his toes in some Survivor Series stuff, and then uh, he would finish his career with Batista again. And then he would go on to have some health problems and retire pretty much at this year's WrestleMania. So he was pretty heavy from 95 to 01. So that's six years there. 02 to 07. So there's another five. And then 08 to 11 pretty much or 10 pretty much. This three. So that's 13 right there. And then the last 10 years he was over the last 10 or so years he was kind of part time. So there's about probably 16 years of full activity in there. Yeah, yeah. Around, say. Give or take 15 to 16 years. With it, and that's not that's including the you know the the two nine month stints for injuries. So right. Know, yeah. I would I would hell, I would go Triple H just because it's if but these are heavy hitters these guys would beat a lot of guys in longevity. You know? Right. Yeah. It's it's I mean I see how you did with Triple H, but. Originally, just thinking about it, I thought Triple H, you could just, you could really say 25 years. Yeah. And I mean, Jericho's at 12 years and that wouldn't even be half of Triple H's. And then you can, my thing was always weighing like how good his run was and how good, how bad it was. But geez, it's, it's, you can, if it's 25 years, man, you're nitpicking regardless. Even Jericho has some nitpicks too. I just say we go Triple H here just based off the map. You know, it's gonna hard, kind of hard to deny it, but Jericho's longevity is definitely an attribute to him in, against a lot of guys, and definitely a positive in his career, also. Yeah, I think so. But when you're when you're against the the game, who is well, no longer the heir apparent, I guess the the main man, but he kind of had a lifetime job there. I think he would have had one regardless, but that definitely helps Triple H. Oh, yeah. For sure. All right. So charisma and Chris Jericho, what do you got? All right. So Jericho, I think the most impressive thing with him is how he can vary his charisma. Like his, most of his first stint, you know, he's very, you know, like I said, like a larger than life rock star, you know, always given good promos, good interviews, getting the crowd, you know, either behind him or, you know, against him, depending on the heel or face, he was he was very good at getting a reaction one way or the other. Though he was able to, you know, sometimes the as a heel he'd have to go a little cheap heel heat because I think a lot of fans were behind him. But if he's going to play a heel, he's going to get heel heat. He knew how to do that. And then in 07 when he comes or 08, well 07 he comes back, but 08 when he turns heel against Michaels, he just completely takes a different turn altogether. Like it's a totally different person. If you look at like September, 2008 Jericho and compare it to 2000 Chris Jericho, but both of them, I would say are like great promos are guys that get the point across. It's just two totally different ways that he did it. And then well, then in 2016, he does it again, where he just makes calling someone a stupid idiot in a list like the most overthinking of the company for a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. So I think it's just he's a great interview whenever he's giving it, and he's also able to do it in different modes, which I think is something not a lot of guys can do. Yeah, I think this is one of Jericho's strongest categories, for sure. So Triple H and Charisma, I'd say it's strong. It's not electric, uh, but I would say very good in all facets of the Charisma. Later on in his career, I think he would lack in-ring Charisma. As like uh, This Rollins match is super fresh into me, right? Yeah. And I watched it today, and I was like, all right, I want to give it. I want to give it its due. I want to, I want to just sit here and watch it. I want to pay all attention to it. And I kind of want to take notes. I want to just kind of just throw it through the gamut and really grade the fucking thing. Right. So I came to three and a quarter. It's not bad. It's really good, but it's, it's not good because triple H is just, his entering charisma is just so, uh, you know what I mean? It's just so, yeah, like, especially, yeah. Like that last stage of his career, I think, I mean, the best match I think he has, like the last, you know, after the Daniel Bryan, after the Bryan and Shield stuff, because I think that's still really good. But like when he's specifically doing like WrestleMania only, I think it's really that Kurt Angle, Uh, Ronda Rousey, Triple H, Stephanie match. And that's not. That's all him. That's not. Oh, it's all him putting it together, but it's not Triple Triple H isn't the focal point of the match, you know? No, he shines up Ronda. He gives Kurt love yeah and, you know what i mean but that, that's Stephanie, really yeah. hit. you watch that match oh yeah he put that match together, together you can tell but yeah. he's also not doing it in you know the other wrestlemania's past 30 where it's okay i'm gonna i'm gonna go have a 25 minute mac classic yeah because he's just that's just he's just not capable of that especially no. with someone not not a bigger star or a better wrestler or whatever, you know, it's him going out there, just trying to be that Matt classic, that general, that, you know, Ric Flair, Holly race want to be. It's just not him. It's just not his lane, man. And it, it really hurts his career. It hurts his reputation with him going out there, wanting to be that guy. Honestly, Jericho too, a little bit in a way too, especially when some of his big matches too. So that's why these guys are similar, but, I just wanted to, you know, I don't want to, I want to go back. I just want to wind back on the charisma real quick, but that's just an example of especially late stage Triple H where Ingrid charisma should be a focal, you know, should be an attribute, but should it should be what you, know, you come. Yeah. Come most easily. It should because he's, because he does have in-ring charisma, especially watching what Jesus Christ, look at this rock series. Look at I, that oh yeah. one vengeance or uh, the oh one no way out match. Even the vengeance tr- hell in the cell match. He's fantastic with in-ring charisma, mannerisms and stuff like that. But he's just laying down and taking dirt naps in these later on matches. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's really just five minutes of him. Just nothing. And I love that Indian inverted Indian leg lock that he, you know, brought to that match. I'm like, why didn't he use that more often? Cause he was really good at that. It yeah. Was, he's, it's really weird. He's like, he's done it enough that, you know, he does it, but he'd never used it consistently. Well, I'm all over the place here, but like, I, but I get it. It's just, it's just, he's just hard to pinpoint. Like his career is just a super mind fuck in a way. Cause it could, yeah. be, he has top five potential. I'm not lying, but he kills himself. He really does. But anyways, 
pro, he, charisma and his promos are fan, fantastic, especially in the DX days. You know what I mean? Yeah. Really, I've been watching some of the 98 stuff. It's ridiculous how good he, he is. He really becomes a star in that stuff. And, and you can see in the early DX stuff in 97, he really yeah. levels up, you know, maturity wise as a as a promo, as a character, as everything. And then just by the end of that DX run, he is just hammering those promos. He's just he has the palm, the crowd in the palm of his hand. So the charisma isn't is there. It's an attribute, but just like his whole career, he it just gets drawn out, and it's not something he rely. It's something he relies on, but he doesn't realize he's not that good at it anymore. You know, right, I mean? yeah. That's where yeah. He, he he he's a special worker. But is he really if he's over here just? running through the gamut and running through the motions in a way. But anyways, um, charisma, it's strong. It's good, but it's, it's not in some areas. So that's, and then really charisma with Jericho is that's why he's able to reinvent himself and yeah. stay relevant. And even now look at him, you know, yeah. I can't exactly. count yeah. W stuff, but even now look at him. He's, he's, you can just he's you can think of the fact that he's, yeah. I mean, in AEW in three years, he's been like at least two different characters, maybe three, depending how you count them. But yeah, it's just able to just keep changing him as his athletic ability goes down, his character and charisma is kind of has gone up, I think. Yeah, so he's definitely worked with him. That's so that's why I think we should go check mark here for Chris Jericho. But honestly, I don't want to kill Triple H with it. I just. Because there's been points where charisma has been a lot high, like higher than Jericho's, but overall it's Jericho, like hands down. Yeah. In, in a way, just be, just because that's something Jericho has lived off of, you know. Yeah, and, and he's and always been consistently high for him. Yes. Like Jericho, Triple H is a smart worker, but Jericho's like a super smart worker in a way. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's just say I would let's let's just rephrase it this way. Triple H is a is a really really smart wrestling mind. Chris Jericho is a really really smart Chris Jericho wrestling mind. Triple H is a dumb Triple H wrestling mind in a way. <laughs> if that yeah. if that kind of makes sense to you, it, it does in a way. Yes, because yeah, you get what I'm saying. Like I don't know if Triple H, I don't know if Chris Jericho go out there and run two like three brands and like be like spread so thin but have his finger under the pulse of everything but chris jericho can definitely have the pulse on himself and right. where triple h is kind of doesn't really have any um how do i like doesn't really look at himself in the mirror <laughs> in a way <laughs> yeah i think he they kind of have fun house mirrors i think in the levesque house maybe of triple h looking more impressive than he he is yeah, but I don't want to call I don't want to call him a dumb wrestling mind because just look at the work he's done with NXT, work with, look yeah. at the work he's you know what I mean. So it's kind of it's just he's the mind fuck. Anyways, check mark charisma, star power. What do you got for star power in Jericho? All right, so Jericho's star power. I think he, he's. I mean, you say like oh the attitude there to someone who's like a lapsed fan. I would say probably one of the top five names would be Chris Jericho, maybe. Now that I think top of, 10, like top ten, yeah, yeah, top ten. Yeah. I think he's he's noted. Like people know, you know, laps fans. I think is kind of a good way to look at star power. Like, do people know who this guy is, even if they don't really watch wrestling? And I think, like, you know, people around, you know, mid thirties to forties, they probably know who Chris Jericho is if they watched any wrestling at all. Yeah, or their and, brother watched wrestling, or their sister. Right, yeah, he was. 
Oh, was he that guy that, you know, with the long hair? Yeah, yeah. I think he's pretty rem- memorable. And then just his actual, like, he was he was out there a lot. Like, Fozzie obviously was, I mean, I think it's it started kind of as a joke, but then it actually became like a touring band that I was looking today. I think they put out like six or seven albums. Like, he's, wow. Yeah, it's. It's been a bit. It's been a consistent group for a while now. Like 2000, they started, and he's also appeared in lots of. Like he was all. I remember. I think it might have been one of his hiatuses, but he was on like all the VH1 Talking Heads. Like I love the oh, 90s. Yeah. Pop, pop music. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pop up like, videos. Yeah, yeah, and so all those. He was, you know, he he's a guy who's. Very, uh, well, at the time, it, earlier, it was very conscious of, like, okay, wrestling's great, wrestling's my love, but I have other interests, and I want to make sure I can do those other interests as well. And he did it, like, looking at his Wikipedia, he was uh, different, a few different times he hosted, like, different VH1 series, uh, and then also wrote, I guess he's up to four books now, but I, I know the first two were really good. I did not read the rest of them, but you know, so he's got other other uh, appearances in media outside of just wrestling, so that helps kind of raise his star power, I think. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's a good way of looking at it, where um, you know, if with that laps fan or with your sister or cousin yeah. know who this person is because when I when I start said star power and Shinsuke Nakamura I was like oh that's his gimmick <laughs> you know what I mean because oh he's super memorable when my when I bring my wife to the show she knows right yeah she's the looking dance, forward the to entrance him. yeah yeah the entrance yada 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 so so star power you can be looked at in different ways because you know obviously the both these guys would be well known because of Shinsuke Nakamura you know way more than Shinsuke Nakamura but right. however yeah. However, when we're talking about, you know, top 25 guys, top legacy guys, Hall of Fame, first ballot Hall of Fame guys, which both of these guys really are, you know, it's like, does your sister know him? You know what I mean? Does So this is where we really should sink our teeth into it, because both these guys are huge, huge star power. You know, these right. guys. These guys have generational star power. They have outside of wrestling star power, just like you mentioned. So, I don't know. Um, it's it's hard to wait, but I think it's Triple H just based off kind of longevity in a way. You know, new gen, at the end of the new gen era, beginning of the Attitude Era. Yeah, he stretches so long. Into the ruthlessly aggressive era. You know, into the PG era into you know nxt he's the he's the grandpa of nxt um and now he's the ceo <laughs> or not right. CEO. he's not the ceo yeah, cre- he's the head creative, creative mind create head yeah. of creative you know what i mean so yeah. he has touched fuck you know he's probably touched 80 percent of our lists or at least 70 you know 70 percent of our list right he's yeah touched or influenced you know what i mean and yeah, so with some definitely. of those 80 guys 80s guys, you know, creeping up in the Attitude Era or whatever, having legacy stuff, you could even go up to 80% of our guys, right? So 
he, you know, he's touched a lot of our guys, as has Jericho. But Jericho, you know, so, and then DX, just, DX is a top three faction throughout any promotion, really. NWO, whatever. And Triple H to be in every iteration of it, the founder, and then the leader in the boom period. Um, and then even the, the wonkiness of 06 and 09, <laughs> you know, so. I love Cox. You know, <laughs> Vince loves Cox. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. It's, I think it's Triple H you want to talk about. And, you know, he, both of these guys are kind of failed actors in a way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Jericho with his what? He, he left trying to be that actor in 05. Yeah, he, 05. Oh five or oh six, he was in the Sci-Fi Channel Android Apocalypse alongside uh, Joey Lawrence. So, Whoa. yeah, that. So I don't know if that was better or worse than the Chaperone or uh, what was Hunter? the other one? Was oh it, yeah, he was yeah. Was it? But he Blade? also had a. It, it was, was Blade Three, I think. There was one but more. He, one. he was. He had another WWE him. original where he's like a tough. He's an ex-con and just got out. And I don't know. <laughs> those, those don't matter. <laughs> Come on. No. But the chaperone, I, I don't know. I, I watched the chaperone once on Netflix. I thought it was with my. Well, this is when my kids were young. I think it came out in like ten or eleven. And I was yeah, like, it was early. That movie was okay. It was. It was kids. It's kids movie. Yeah, it's kids, kids movie quality. I mean, yeah. I'm in the throes of that right now, where my four year old doesn't want to watch anything on Disney Plus. He wants to watch on another Plus. So. <laughs> So, so we have to go through the kids' movies on HBO or something, and some of these are just—they're just, just horrible. They're—I mean, they're—I'll I'll sit and watch with them, but I'm putting in my headphones and listening to a podcast or something. <laughs> I know, and uh, but I, by saying that, I kind of while watching the chaperone, I was just kind of like, I actually watched this with them, <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't. You know, it was okay. That's all I could say. It, it, it was okay, but I think the check marks just just because of kind of longevity and high, having way higher peaks and touching everyone on the roster. The you know the NXT, and then now yeah, the, the NXT, <laughs> and then especially now, like yeah, I mean his position now is you know the, the highest. The highest. So, so I don't. I just think he's way more mainstream. In a way, but I don't think I don't want to discourage uh, discredit Jericho from being mainstream. But I, right. think H, I think Triple H would be if you if you went up to a random person in the street and say, hey, name five to ten wrestlers. I think, you know, you got your Hogan, your Rocks, your Austins, and then the, you got your Cena's and then they might pull Shawn Michaels or Triple H out of their ass. I think they pull Triple H out of their ass before they pull Bret Hart out of their ass. You know, that's just your mainstream stars. Yeah. Right? I, well, unless you're in, you know. He's the most awesome. famous Albertan, so uh, yeah. on if this you're side, up there. On this side of the border, anyways. Yes. So I think it's Triple H. Yeah, I would I would concede this one, yeah. I mean Jericho's pretty well known, but yeah. not as much as Triple H. Especially like the last few years, like I remember Triple H was on Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon and stuff. You know, he's doing the he does the media blitz, you know, when it, if they're in New York for SummerSlam or L.A. for, you know, whatever. Whenever they're in a big town, he's usually one of the faces out there doing stuff. Yep. Car, karaoke. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
But yeah, Triple H. All right, so Chris Jericho and flexibility. What you got? All right, so this is, again, I kind of hit on it earlier where he's got like the three different characters that he's able to do for different times and then just tag singles. He's mainly singles, but he had the tag with uh, Christian was his longest, the guy he teamed with the longest where they really like from 02 to 04 off and on, they would team up. And then also he did the uh, Jericho. Oh, well, actually I'm forgetting uh, Jericho and Big Show. That was a big, uh, they were the undisputed tag champs for a while. Beating DX? Yes. Or no, losing to DX, I think. I don't know. It don't matter. Yeah, something. (laughs) But then, uh, and then teaming with uh, KO for a while while they were the best friends. So good. The Festival of Friendship ended that. But then also face heel, you know, I'm not personally the face stuff. Never really connected with me that much, but you can't say it didn't make it didn't get a cut of reaction and stuff. So it was over for sure. And then heel stuff, I think, I think his 08 heel run is one of the best like six month runs in the company. It's just amazing how much. I mean, punching Whisper Michaels at SummerSlam, and then the two matches he had with Michaels afterwards. It's just great stuff. Yes. And yeah, I mean, and also flexibility, you know, he came in was IC level kind of then shot up to main event with Triple H at fully loaded 2000 and then goes back with with X-Pac for a while. So he could go up. I mean, he was never really lower than the mid card, but he could seamlessly go, you know, world title one week and then the next week he's feuding for the IC title. But it didn't never felt like. He was going too high or too low. He was always able to make what he was doing seem perfectly reasonable for him to be doing it. I just feel like whatever they gave him, they said it's good. He's good. You yeah. Know what I mean? If it's up yeah. the card, if it's the middle of the card, or if it's upper mid card, where usually it was, it, which is, he's just super, super reliable. That's due to some of his flexibility. But flexibility in Triple H. Um, Honestly, he's kind of mostly a heel, if you think about it, really. He's at best as a heel, I would say, for sure. He's mostly a heel, and he's at best as a heel. Uh, He's a solid main event heel. Um, But, honestly, he he, kind of finds his group. Even as, like, that smirky, mid-card, blue blood, right? He's, he's, He's memorable. You know, he's good. Yeah. You get the hog pen, you get the, <laughs> <laughs> you get the punishment, and then you got to get the Mick Foley rise. And, and honestly, yeah, anyone, those, anyone yeah, working that with series Foley, of matches, this is pre, this is like pre like 2000 Foley, right? With that outrageous series that we'll get into. But um, even that as a heel, he he's good. He, even his character work there is good, but we'll get into that a little later. But that blue blood stuff is memorable and it really gets him equity in gets him kind of a chance with Shawn Michaels. Because you think about it is like he kind of really pulls him out of the out of the mid card. Yeah. And and I'm sure he was really or HBK was probably definitely 
angling for it for a long, the longest time before he actually got it. You know what I mean? So he pull, you know, and the click, they, they got the click shit or whatever. Right. So, right. Yeah. So triple H, HBK grabs him, but that's where, when he gets it with HBK and DX, that's really where he sets, sinks his Takes teeth and stuff. Yeah. It just skyrockets to the main events in late 99. And then I watched his, his promo around SummerSlam 99, where he calls himself the game with a rock. Oh, yeah. Out, where the rock comes out and he has that awesome black and red T-shirt, that awesome red T-shirt with like that, <laughs> that, that Tums roll on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I had that shirt as a kid and I, uh, I wore it under my football pads every fucking game. I love it. <laughs> it's trash. I wish I still had it. It's trashed, obviously, going through four years of high school football. But Yeah, um, that'll do it. But actually, so I wore that in the games, and I wore my Y2J shirt during practice. So there, that's, oh, nice. that's kind nice of uh, kind of connection, actually. I just realized. Yeah. But but anyways, it, I'm kind, I was kind of a stinky kid in a way, right there. Huh? I, I, <laughs> I I would wash them, obviously, you know. So <laughs> anyways, not to get too off track because we are pretty off track tonight. But anyways, um, uh. <laughs> flexibility as heel is his strength but honestly as a baby even when he turns baby as with dx right it's really good yeah, and that, yeah. they go against the nation really good and then geez when even when he and then he elevates up as a heel into 2000 where he has 2000s his fucking year he's a yeah stunt. i would agree with that he, and that's the peak of their comp that's the peak of their in-ring of their in the company's history and that and that it's really kind of the peak it's needed too, cause Stone Cold goes out. So it's really the peak of their popularity is ninety nine to two thousand, two thousand one. Right. So he's right in his rise is right in the center of that. So, and then the, this the kind of stuff where he gets penalized kind of kicks in afterwards, <laughs> really. And then returning as a babyface, that unbelievable. That's more of a peak moment, but Jesus Christ, that's that's some flexibility there to come back as that babyface. Yeah, that was. But that's peak, I, I'm going to use that for peak moments. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. then the flex, this is kind of where the flexibility kind of hurts him, starts to hurt him. The, the, the evolution, reign of terror, t- 90, you know, o, late 02 to mid 2005, early 2006, pretty much non-facial hair Triple H, right? When clean shaven Triple H is kind of where he gets a lot of stagnant and he stays in his lane. And where we talked about the stagnant charisma, this is kind of what we're talking about. This yeah, is, this you know, is where it's at its it's worst. The real stagnant say. part where he kind of relies on the youngsters, relies on flair, and really just kind of just rain, has those 20-minute promos. But then again, it's hard to have a 20-minute promo opening raw every week. And his, his are a hit and miss, but there are a lot of misses in there. You know what I mean? So... Then flexibility, he kind of turns into a legacy guy after DX. DX to kind of turn into that. DX was popular in 06. It was stupid in 09. 06 is kind of not terrible. I kind of like it. But the reason why it's not bad is because it's mid-card to upper mid-card. They're fighting the Spirit Squad. They're fighting McMahons. Some of that McMahon stuff's pretty fucking good and memorable and entertaining. And the flex- yeah, I like the 06 DX. I can't really yeah, hate sure. that too much. I think that's the stuff with the McMahons is really good. It's really I do good. enjoy that. The, rated the, the in-ring stuff, actually, not the, the promos I could do without, but There's the, the, the SummerSlam okay. and Hell in a Cell match are pretty good. Hell in a Cell match is, is, is almost great. It's I love yeah. it. And then they, 
decent stuff with Orton in in Edge, and then they yeah. get he pulls his he blows his knee out, comes back as a bigger star, feels like a bigger star. He's a legacy star. He's a baby face when he returns. All, pretty much, he's a baby face for what? Oh seven, oh eight, oh nine. Sheamus, he's still a baby face. Baby face. Baby face yeah. against. Really, he's a baby face against Undertaker. It's all the way up to the authority. Wow, I didn't realize he was yeah. baby. Five yeah, he is pretty much. Yeah. So he's a legacy baby face, and he's loved for five to six years, and then he's absolutely hated again. So that's some decent flexibility there, too. And then some of the authority stuff is kind of, you know, it, it's kind of back to the 0304 vibe where it's wany, it's long, it's with this time it's with his fucking wife. He's a little better than the wife, but still, they're on TV every week. They're still kind of, we are the authority, you know, everything. And they really never get their, I mean, at least in 0304, you know, he'd wrestle the pay-per-views. Here, he usually doesn't even get the comeuppance of getting beat up, you know. And then he gets his comeuppance and he gets it back a month later. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're gone forever for a month. Yeah, they're gone forever for a month. And that I can remember watching that and be like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> That's where I was just like, all right, what the fuck, guys? Like, what are we doing? We just had that great Survivor Series with zero stars in it, and you guys made it work. It's over. It's done. Let's move on. And now we're fucking back. What do we do? Like, I can remember being so like, what am I doing with watching this shit still? At that right, time? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's where I was. That's where I was like, with a lot of fans are now. I, I'm so weathered because I was through that. That's where I'm. That's why I'm so positive on the now. That stretch there, and honestly, Triple H has a lot to do with that. So I don't know. He's up and down, but he's constantly in the main event scene, 98, really 99 on, and on the in his rise in 97, 98 was super, super fun, and and that's due to flexibility. I don't know. This is good. Jericho's flexibility is both very good. Um. I, See, I kind of leaned Jericho in this just because of the reinvention and kind of similar to the charisma. But I don't know. Triple H's is more more main event ish in a way, you know, because Jericho's kind of like the Fandango, the AJ style stuff. That's the mid card stuff. You know, I mean, that's flexibility within the mid card, but it's not bad. It's not waning a showdown and it's not me being like, why do I still watch this shit? I don't I don't know. This is hard. What do you think? Yeah, I think. Like I could see what you're saying with Triple H's higher higher end stuff, but is it does it doesn't it hurt him if the higher end stuff is crap? Like to I mean, extent, that, but, you know, extent, but some of the flex some of the flexibility kind of helped him in a way too. It's just is the way I is it crap? Is it looked as just is like in a volume thing? Is because of too much volume? Like Jericho's smart, he goes away and reinvents himself. Right. You know? So he doesn't really get stagnant, you know what I mean? So it's kind of that's the kind of part where it's just like like Triple H is such a bigger star, not such a bigger star. Triple H is a bigger star, he relies on it so it becomes stagnant. Jericho is smart and it doesn't become stagnant. But my gut tells me flexibility for Jericho. Yeah, I think if but we're think looking at close. just that one the just this one category, I think Jericho just is able to flexible he's able to do different here you know triple h is a heel is it's either you know pointing at his dick or 
you know, being the cerebral assassin in the game, and st- it's yeah. kind of one way or the King other. King of Kings, it's still, still the same thing. But the only re- so the points that I'm making is because of star power, and we already gave him star power. Let's go flexibility, Jericho, because you're right. He's re- able to reinvent himself, and he goes up and down the card. He's a baby face. He's, he's a better heel. He, you know, he makes more money as a heel. Let's say that instance. But yeah. anyways, um. He's just any, you know, he's a lot more tag partners, a lot more in and out, but that's also because he's lower on the card, but still he's more relevant and has quality stuff because of his flexibility within that. So flex. So we got two, two so far, buddy. Peak yeah, moments. It's tight. It's tight. It, and they're, and they're close on the two, two. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I would agree with that for sure. Peak moments with Chris Jericho. What you got? All right. Well, starting at his debut, uh, I was lucky enough to be there at the Allstate Arena. I think it was, really? I think it had just become the Allstate Arena. Yeah, the Rosemont Horizon in, in suburban Chicago, as they like to say. Yeah, it was every a lot of we all kind of knew it was Jericho, but we weren't sure until it flashed down this Titan trend. And that is probably, I'd say, I'd say it's the most memorable. Well, no, I'd say the second most memorable. A uh, moment of a guy jumping ship during the Monday Night Wars. I would. It's got to be up there at least. I mean, I know there's a lot of big names that did it, but the, well, just the Nash and WO then Jericho. Yeah, I would say it's probably in that order. I think it's bigger. It's like bigger than a, Luger, probably, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think so because Jericho. It was built up for so long. I think that helped. The it. engine really got behind him. It was. It yeah. Was, yeah. And then from there, I'd say his next biggest moment, it would be uh, when he wins, he beats China to win the Intercontinental title. That's, it was kind of, that was something that like in 98, when you thought about, oh, is Jericho going to go to WWF? You always thought, oh, he'd be a great Intercontinental champion, you know, smaller guy, kind of, you know, maybe not on the level of the Austins and Rocks yet, but He'd be a great IC champ. So he has that title run. And then his next biggest, I'm trying to just hit the peak, peaks of the peaks, but the Raw in April 2000, where he gets his match with Triple H, and it's kind of just set up as Triple H is pissed that he called Stephanie uh, a, a woman of the night, let's call her, <laughs> and uh, makes the title match, and Jericho wins the belt. I mean, that was... It gets overturned 10 minutes later, but, you know, in April of 2000, where I think the night before he lost a viscera on heat or something really weird, like he was kind of sputtering his wheels and then out of nowhere just wins the title on Raw. And from there, he has the uh, Triple H match at Fully Loaded, where it's a great match by both guys, you know, He's not carried, nor is he carried, though. I think both guys hold up their end there. And then from there, his next biggest thing would probably be, I would say, the Royal Rumble in 2000, where he team, where he faces uh, Benoit in a just ridiculous ladder match for the Intercontinental title. It is some so insane, good. insane shots there where, you know, nowadays – Looking at Chris Benoit matches, sometimes you're like, but it's a great hard hitting match. Those two, I'm skipping over all their matches, but, you know, anytime those two were given 10 minutes or more, they'd have a great hard hitting match. 
Uh, from there, he opens WrestleMania 17, which is pretty big honor to give him. I mean, he's not main eventing, so you want to be out there first, get the crowd going, and a pretty good match with Regal. Nothing, you know, not a classic, but pretty good still. Uh, and then in 2001, his next biggest thing would be he really kind of sends the feud with Stephanie into overdrive when she's the leader of the invasion, which is kind of interesting because it, it's heavier here than it was when Triple H was around. So she just keeps throwing guys at him. And then eventually the Rock Jericho match at No Mercy 01 is the first of in a series of just great matches these guys have. Their chemistry is just ridiculous. And it's finally Jericho winning the big one. He wins the WCW title. From there, he's, oh, for a month, or two months later, he uh, is able to beat, you know, by Hooker Crook, The Rock and Steve Austin, and becomes the first undisputed heavyweight champ. And, you know, that is quite the honor to have him beat the two biggest stars in the company and give him an honor that no matter what, he could always crow back to it. And he always did. Like in 2016, he'd still mention, I beat The Rock and, Tr- and Steve Austin in the same night. So it was just a great thing to give him that he always knew when to bring it up and talk about it. Uh, then he does main event WrestleMania, the main event of WrestleMania 18. Uh, we can talk about that if you want for Triple H as well, where it might not have been the greatest match, but it is a WrestleMania main event for Chris Jericho. It is. Um, from there, he kind of he still feuds with Jer or Triple H for a little bit, then he kind of flanders a little bit, gets into a team with Christian, uh, and then his next biggest. Showing, I'd say, would be his feud with uh, Shawn Michaels in 2003, where he has ends up having Michaels' comeback match at WrestleMania, which is a great match. And then he keeps going. Oh, uh, three. He has a match. Oh, he has at the end of 03, him and Christian have their deal with Trish Stratus and Lita. And that ends up leading to a great match at WrestleMania 20 between Christian and Jericho, where Trish turns heel on Jericho, and that's that's a good feud they have. Um, 05, he kind of wraps it up in 05 with, well, he's in the first Money in the Bank match. That should be... He invented it. Yeah, he suggested the match concept and is in it. Yeah, that's what they claim. It makes sense. I could see it happening and then he has john cena's title match at SummerSlam, and then the next night loses a uh you're fired match so he goes out there and his exit he makes sure to go out as a heel he's kicking and screaming as security carries him out to make sure that you know you don't feel bad for this guy this is when they were throwing all the hot heels at cena and he was getting booed like crazy so maybe not the best idea but then he comes back in 2007 again he has a big return here attacking uh orton saying he's coming to save orton and 
Then I would say in 08, he's kind of floundering a little bit at the beginning. He's having good matches. He gets the IC title for a, a sixth time or eighth time, eighth time the IC title. And then in April, though, he starts getting involved with Sean Mike. Batista's pissed at Sean Michaels because he uh, made Ric Flair retire. So then Jericho just kind of gets involved and is a little shit stir. And then, like I said, he gets in a feud with Michaels, throws him into the obscenely expensive Jerotron 5000 hmm. and turns heel. And then he has the, uh, at SummerSlam, him and Michaels are having a face to face and Michaels or Jericho goes to punch Michaels. He ducks and Jericho hits Michael's wife, and then they just have a great stretch of matches with uh, at Unforgiven, they have the uh, unsanctioned match, which Michael's just destroys him, but then later in the night, Jericho actually wins the title in a scramble match. He comes out as a last-minute replacement, and then he fights this is, uh, Michael's in the in a, no, in a No Mercy ladder match, which is just an amazing match. I watched that yesterday. That is crazy. And from there, uh, he has his... At WrestleMania 25, he is involved with uh, Steamboat, Snook, and Piper, and Ric Flair, and... Uh, Mickey Rooney's involved. Supposedly there there was talk early, I think, of having a B Jericho versus Mickey Rooney, but that got scrapped. Mickey uh, Rourke, dude. Come on, man. Oh, Mickey Rourke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Rourke, yes. Sorry. All good. Yeah. So yeah, so Jericho was I mean, it's in the mid card, but it's a big time match. It's the celebrity match at WrestleMania twenty five, even though he's just kind of involved in it he's not actually in the match and then he has he goes into the tag teams for a little bit first with edge actually they win the tag titles and then teaming with uh the big show for jera show and they had a nice little run as tag champs for a while and then at elimination chamber he actually wins the title the world title from the undertaker and he defends it successfully against edge at WrestleMania. And then I would say next big moment would be when he returns again in 2012 and he's doing the where he just comes out and soaks in the chairs for like three minutes and then leaves. But one thing he was like, yeah. And I'm still upset that he gets in the rumble and is last eliminated by Sheamus. I remember a popular thing then was like, oh, Jericho's going to come in at number 30. He like milking the chairs and the last two guys would eliminate themselves and he'd win the rubble without touching anyone. But unfortunately that was not to be, but then he starts a feud with uh, CM Punk and has the world title match at WrestleMania. And then he has a rematch with him the next month in Chicago at a, in a street fight at extreme rules, which is also very good. Uh, in 2012. So he, Ends up having a feud with Dolph Ziggler at SummerSlam. And then the next night he actually loses his uh, 
it's a loser leaves town match against him versus Dolph Ziggler. And he loses that match. Comes back at the Rumble. And for a while, he is... Well, at WrestleMania, he faces Fandango, which is kind of a waste, I would say. But that's what they did. Uh, then we get to the list of... Jer- the He didn't have the... Thir- this fourth comeback, he didn't really have a big debut. He just kind of showed up on Raw and got involved with the New Day at first and then AJ Styles. And then going into WrestleMania, he has a match with AJ Styles and then he starts teaming with Kevin Owens and him and Owens become the best friends and Jericho wins the US title and helps uh, Owens always retain the belt. And Jericho's actually in that rumble for just over an hour, I think, because he's he kind of does a thing where he's in and then he rolls out for a little bit, but he's in there towards the end. Bullshit. And that, and then at Russell, well, then he has the festival of friendship with Kevin Owens, where Owens destroys him, much like he destroyed Shawn Michaels years earlier, throwing him into the the Jeratron. And they have a match at WrestleMania. And then that is just about it for him. He comes back at payback and has a actually defeats Owens and then loses two nights later on SmackDown. So it was kind of a red herring because everyone knew he was going away. He comes back and wins the U.S. title, but then loses it on SmackDown right away. And that is about it for Jer- then he shows up at the uh WrestleMania or the greatest Royal Rumble in Saudi Arabia. Wasn't he number like fifty? Yeah, I think he was yeah, I think there were fifty guys and he was like forty six, forty seven or something. So was he for, he, he was forty nine or fifty and Big Cass was the other one, I think. So I don't know. I, would be, I thought it would be pretty cool if he was fifty, he'd be like the highest. But anyways Oh, so, yeah, he was number 50, yeah. So he was 50. Yeah, he is 50. Nice. Look at, look at memory right there, brother. All right, so. In, in for three minutes. <laughs> three minutes. So peak moments yeah. and storylines, um, they kind of bleed together a little bit. So I'm just going to hit bullet points, what I kind of yeah. kind of separated them in a way. In, in a way. So peak moments for Triple H, 97, King of the Ring Ringer, starting DX, leading DX. And then that promo after WrestleMania 14, where he just goes out there and looks like a total, total, total star. And he he just kind of elevates his stock up instantly with becoming the leader. And DX is on the same level, it feels like, with X-Pac and the Outlaws. Um, the skits with the na- against the nation. And then the skits with the corporation. I think those are huge, huge, huge jump up moments for them. Uh, and then, of course, the biggest one is the WCW, the WCW invasion, where they uh, they're both in Virginia or whatever, Scott's shitlift country, and they uh, they go knock on their door with the uh, with the tank and the, the hats and everything. That's super memorable and super cool. Uh, the two man power trip is a huge jump up moment, and then that that this is more of a match, but that awesome Austin match when Austin returns at No Way after Austin returns wins the Royal and returns at No Way Out. Uh, and then this is the biggest peak moment 
and really what really uh, kind of levels up Jericho's debut is the O2 um, Raw return to MSG. Ah, that's going to be a top, what, five, three pop in company history. That, yeah, that, it's, it's pretty crazy. Unbelievable. In MSG and then just I, – that's the first thing I watched when I wanted to watch Triple H stuff. Just insane. And then winning the Rumble a month later, about. Uh, and then bringing back HBK and doing the X on one night. I, I, um, I was a high schooler, and I don't really rem- remember watching much. But I remember watching that night. And honestly, you know what funny thing, Ryan? Um, on eBay, in eBay in 2008, I, I randomly, from a wrestling, from a Raw writer, I, br- I bought a copy of a script just to have just to look over in the, in the script that he sent me is this raw. So, um, Oh, wow. It's pretty cool. I brought it, I I broke it out a few years ago. I think actually I broke it out during the pandemic and read it again. And I think I broke it out last summer just to kind of read. Cause that's what I watched. I was watching O2 stuff for my other project and I got to that raw and I was like, all right, let me just kind of watch this raw and follow this script. So I remember doing that last summer too. So that's, and that's, was in that segment was on that script he sent me but it's very cool to have a script like that best nine dollars i ever spent anyways not really but you know what I mean. it's still pretty cool to have i think yeah um, no that's a neat thing yeah so the the hbk betrayal after renewing dx for one night the SummerSlam match um and then really just no real peak moments under there the the reforming of dx they're more from between now then and now but between then and kind of what i'm going to jump into is really just more better storylines and better um matches right so no like i remember dx the wrestlemania 22 they were both teased it a little bit and then they reformed and then they kind of did their thing on saturday night's main event so the, no no real jump up but the i guess the jump up would be that july 4th raw where they kind of just ran kind of rough shot and did like that's what you got the Vince stuff, the production shock. Vince loves Cox, and that's like and Vince made that work. You know what I mean? You get the shit stuff. So like I like what you were saying, oh six DX got ain't too bad. <laughs> you know, you know, in a way, it's 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 I don't think it's a stain. I think you know it's I think it's okay. Um and then the next jump up moment would be kind of the February twenty first, uh, two thousand eleven. Undertaker was having vignettes. And he was going to return. So then they both returned. And then Tri- Undertaker returned. He was about to talk. And then Triple H music hit. And the place went absolutely nuts. And this is a week after The Rock returned. So the crowd was, I don't want to say as big as The Rock. But they were just kind of on that level. And then they didn't say a word to each other. They just stared at each other. They mean mugged each other. They were two legacy stars. And then they just stared at that ugly WrestleMania 27 logo. And the rest is history. That's more of a moments match resume kind of thing and storyline stuff we'll get into later. But that I, that that segment is more is a peak moment more than a storyline just because of the jump up factor from it. Uh, the the closing WrestleMania 28 were them just kind of embracing on the stage is a peak. It's a it's a the conclusion of a match, but it's a, it's a very memorable peak up moment as an end of an era match where those guys just kind of. As before they on the biggest stage of them all having an absolute banger before they go in the back, they kind of just sit there and like have these hands over each other, Triple H in the middle, and they just kind of embrace and the crowd just goes absolutely nuts. So that's pretty cool. Pretty cool moment there. 
If only it actually ended the year. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It ended the era <laughs> of WrestleMania matches for them four. <laughs> yes. Um, and then really just the next one I would say is him refereeing the SummerSlam match in 2013. And then starting the authority, Randy Orton cashing in Money in the Bank and the pedigree to Daniel Bryan. And then the emphatic one, two, three. That's a pretty cool moment, I would say. Uh, WrestleMania 30, just I know it's more of a match, but the moment of him really putting Bryan over because that's Bryan's moment. And then Triple H was a big key to that. And he really set the night off in a fantastic. That's the last match I watched before this. That match is fucking awesome. And Triple H. That's probably the last absolute banger Triple H had. Um, and then winning the Royal Rumble in 2016. And then the epic, just kidding, that match. Two and a half star classic right there. Um, in a vacuum, it's, an, it's a fine, okay match. But, he, you know, it's, it's his last headline match at WrestleMania. Um, and then really it's just, really, the, the it's more of a meme, but Kurt Angle swinging, swinging and missing on Kurt Angle. Like, Kurt, <laughs> like whistling in the breeze. But really introducing Ronda Rousey is a pretty jump-up moment. Um, just scoring Ronda Rousey is huge for the women division, right? And Triple H, Stephanie's not even a wrestler. And, you know, and that match is an absolute classic. I love that match. I was there live. Um, I went four and a quarter on it, four and a half, maybe. I loved it. I think it was great. What blew me out of expectation, it was the last, best last Triple H moment until he retired at this year's WrestleMania. And that was day two, WrestleMania 38. Dallas, Texas. Unbelievable moment. Um, just awesome. And then, like, that weird, wonky Triple H celebration in the pandemic on, like, the NFL draft night in 2020. So, those are the kind of last everlasting Triple H moments. But, I don't know, man. It's pretty, pretty strong. I'm leaning Triple H just because of the star power aspect of it. And having it be bigger company moments. But, hey, man, that debut and that in the return are definitely top 10 moments within the company. So if you want to go either, we have two top 10 moments in the company, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, it's tight. It's tight. pretty tight for peak moments. I would say I got two Royal rumble wins. I got a King of the ring win. I have, yeah. I have two, three WrestleMania made events all being middling. Um, and then here are some of – I don't really want to go over winning the belts, but here are some of his peak moments like titles. He's a nine-time WWE champion, five-time world heavyweight, so 14-time heavyweight champion, five IC, two European, uh, one only one tag with triple uh, with Shawn Michaels. Did you know that they were defeated, defeated by Jericho? Callback. Anyway. Well, also, didn't he have a tag title with Austin? Two man oh, yeah. Yeah, Durr, that one-time unified, quote-unquote. Oh, yeah, the different, yeah. <laughs> Wikipedia got me there. What the fuck, right? Um, two-time Royal Rumble. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, uh, two-time Royal Rumble, one-time King of the Ring. Ooh, come on, man. Has Chris Jericho won a road to WrestleMania tournament in 2006? Come on. Um, yeah, but Chris Jericho does have three slammies. I don't know how many Triple H has. Triple H has three. Chris Jer- oh. Jericho for best hair. Come on, man. Um, just based off, uh, I'm gonna get into his WrestleMania re- resume lo- la- uh, later on, but um, uh, I would say his WrestleMania resume 
is probably stronger than Jericho's, most certainly stronger than Jericho's, and that would that's more peak moments. Yeah. Add into it. Um, but then again, Jericho, the first unified champion, Jericho debut, his peak moments aren't bad whatsoever. I just think Triple H's has um more volume. In, 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 yeah, I think this kind of goes back to the longevity. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been there for 25 years to Jericho's 12. He's got more classic moments. I and agree there. This is this is a peak moments is a category where you can't really um, you can't twist the knife think. in them and, and go right. into the negative because it's the peak. Right. We're grabbing the good stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. If we had a, a valley where you took a point off, this that might add up for Triple H pretty quickly also, though. And I haven't even – I was saving this, but he retired – like, retiring McFoley. Like, yeah, yeah. And then the 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 thumbs up with Batista, I didn't really yeah, like – Yeah, that's a you – know, yeah. That's a huge one. Uh, it's I think it's Triple H. But I, if Triple H is a five – Jericho's a four out of, you know, I mean, if Jericho, if out of 10, if Triple H is a nine, Jericho's an eight, you know? Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, I think it's just the longevity for Triple H pushes them to have more of those moments. So, yeah. Cool. All right. So storylines of Chris Jericho. Let's breeze through him. What you got? Yeah. So comes in, he's the heel rock star kind of guy, kind of flounders for a while. Then he gets into an icy title feud. Gets involved with China as an enemy and then a friend. And then she turns on him to get with her Latino heat. So that was a big storyline to help. I mean, it helped that it was with Jericho kind of to help uh, push Eddie. And then from there, he kind of. He's kind of feuding with Benoit and also kind of starts his slow burning feud with Triple H. And that goes on, and then, so through 2000, he's kind of feuding with Jericho, or feuding with Triple H, feuding with Benoit, gets in a feud with X-Pac, and then a downer feud with Kane, I would say, where there's a, it begins because of spilled coffee. Uh, then kind of going into 01, he's still just kind of the cool face rock star, and then with the invasion, he stays with, or actually before the invasion, he teams with Benoit. They have the classic match with Triple H and Austin on Raw. Oh, fantastic match. Right? Yeah, that is. That's where Triple H gets hurt. Yeah, that's where he blows out the quad. Yeah. So then from there, he's he stays with WWE during the invasion. And then towards the end of that, though, he, kind, he turns heel, feuding with The Rock, but still team WWE or WWF at the time. And then once that feud wraps up, he is still feuding with The Rock. He becomes the first undisputed champion. From there, he's defending against whoever is the challenger of the month. And then Triple H comes with WrestleMania. Jericho uh, horribly injures Triple H's dog, Lucy. I don't know how much we want to get into that. but <laughs> And... The storyline really going into the main event of WrestleMania is Triple H versus Stephanie with Chris Jericho, which is not the way I would go about building my champ going into the biggest show of the year. But 
when you're writing the show, I guess you get to decide how it goes. Um, from there, he kind of continues feuding with Triple H after WrestleMania. And then he goes to SmackDown at first, but then ends up going to Raw. And from there, he he's a heel now, and he gets to, uh, at WrestleMania, he's, well, he teams with Christian, and they're kind of in and out of the tag title scene. And then kind of when he needs to be leveled up, he'll be in the Elimination Chamber. He'll be in, you know, he has really good runs in the Rumbles. That's something, I guess, that's kind of a match resume sort of thing I'll get to. But so then he starts his feud with Shawn Michaels, though. It's kind of like the, you know, I always wanted to be you, but now I just want to be Chris Jericho. I'm better than you. So they have a good, a great feud, great match at WrestleMania. And from there, he kind of sticks around the main event for a while. And then the next big storyline he has would be, I would say, with him and uh, Christian. They make a bet over uh, for one Canadian dollar over who could get. Jericho's going after Trish and Christian's going after Lita to see who could get who first. And, you know, Trish finds out and is pissed, but then they kind of do like each other. And then at WrestleMania, it's him versus Christian and Trish turns on Jericho. So that starts a big feud that goes through Uh, the rest of, I would say up until about SummerSlam, that feud kind of goes off and on with Christian and Jericho with Trish involved. And then he is involved in the evolution uh, who's running raw match at survivor series. So he's kind of upper mid card there. He'll feud with, he gets in elimination chambers and stuff, but not one-on-one title matches. And then, like I said, the money in the bank, supposedly he came up with the idea. So give him credit for that. Uh, And then in the summer, he turns heel after John Cena comes to Raw and uh, turns heel against him and faces him at SummerSlam, but he loses at SummerSlam. And the next night faces Cena again and Bischoff fires him after he loses. And then Jericho comes back in 07. I'll kind of, the first six months, nothing too great. He's kind of just doing his old shtick as a face. But now he has tights. That's the biggest change in a haircut. But then in o in April of 08, after WrestleMania, he kind of slowly gets involved in the Batista Shawn Michaels feud, which I talked about a little bit. And they end up having a couple matches, and eventually Jericho they like shake hands at first after the feud for few times but then eventually Jericho says Michael's a hypocrite and throws him into the Jeritron and that supposedly could have blinded Michaels and then they get into the the SummerSlam uh, situation which I talked about earlier in the latter match Jericho wins the title he uh, eventually loses it to Cena at Survivor Series and from there, he's kind of upper mid-card still, getting involved in different feuds. Uh, 
Then in 2009, he takes the kind of goes towards tag team for a while with first edge and then big shows his partner. And then at uh, elimination chamber, he wins the belt and edge had just come back from injury and decides he wants to go against his former partner. So they have the match at WrestleMania. He actually wins, but then loses two nights later to Jack Swagger. Jericho and Edge kind of continue feuding. He goes to Raw, and he's just kind of floating as a heel. He gets involved with the Nexus and ends up fighting them at SummerSlam. And then he gets punted out by Randy Orton after a Raw where he was on The Price is Right with Bob Barker. (laughs) And then in 2012, he comes back, and again, it's like a mysterious who is this coming out, and it's him, and he doesn't say anything for a while. And eventually, after the Royal Rumble, I think is when he first talks, and he's saying he's uh, tired of people trying to be him. He's the best in the world, not CM Punk. So they start a feud that goes to WrestleMania, and then actually to Extreme Rules. And then he's kind of just around as a heel for the rest. And then he turns face against Dolph Ziggler. And they have the match at SummerSlam, which Jericho wins. And then he loses the next night, though, in a loser leaves town match. Comes back at the Rumble in 13. He's a face. And then he gets into a feud with Fandango somehow. And they have a match at WrestleMania, which... And then go wins, and then they continue feuding, and then he uh, is a really under the radar match with Punk at Payback 2013, where it just came out of nowhere, where him and Paul Heyman were arguing, and that match happens, and then Jericho leaves again, comes back in 2015 or 2016. Uh, Event starts teaming with AJ Styles and then turns on him and they have a little feud and eventually Jericho teams with Kevin Owens against Enzo and Cass and then a week later Owens ends up winning the Universal title and Jericho's his buddy, his friend. Jericho actually wins the US title in there from uh I think it was on Raw. Yeah, it was on Raw. He pins Roman Reigns in a handicap match. And then at the Festival of Friendship, he gets thrown through the... And then he starts a feud with Owens. And then eventually loses and goes back on the road with Fozzie. All right. So I'm just going to I'm not going to go deep into it. I'm just going to going to spit out his storylines. Hogpen, Rocky Maivia, Goldust, Summer with Foley, DX, Slaughter, Hearts, Nation, Corporation, Austin, The Rock, Taker. Two-man power trip. Kane. Jericho and Steph. 
Evolution. And then he like within Evolution, he has Booker, Benoit, Goldberg, Steiner, RVD. And then he has the Orton feud. He has the Batista feud. He has the Flair feud. And then he has a Big Show feud that's just kind of good in a way. You wouldn't think so. And then he has the Cena stuff. And then he has the Spirit Squad with Vince and Shane stuff with DX back. The Big Show again. Rated RKO. He's hurt. SummerSlam with Batista. Uh, SummerSlam with Booker. Cena and Orton, pretty much. Um, a little Umaga and K- uh, Kali sprinkled in. SmackDown, where he goes with Kozlov. That fucking shit was terrible. <laughs> I was there alive. That's like his worst match ever. I can attest to that. Um, but his overall SmackDown run's good. Hardy. He puts over Hardy, finally. Um, then he goes into a feud with Sheamus. Uh, no, he goes with he comes back with DX. They have the Cena feud at the end of 09. DX is kind of whatever. And then 10, he has this, the, pretty much the Sheamus feud. And this is kind of where he transitions away from being full-time. Um, he, when he's with DX, he has that legacy feud. Uh, Jericho. Again, at the end of 10, at the end of 09 and 10. And then he goes into Sheamus, excuse me. And then he's kind of in and out in a way. And then it's, it's, that's when this is where he starts hitting the big ones with Taker, Taker, Brock breaks his arm, Brock again, returning, becomes the authority. And then he has the Brian stuff. He has the Sting stuff. He has the Roman Reigns stuff, the Rollins stuff, the Rollins, the Ronda stuff, and Batista. All right, the Batista angle was cool, where uh, Batista dragged Flair on Flair's appreciation. Right. <laughs> and Triple H is really good in that, too. And then that's where they peak, though. Yeah, that is the peak of that angle, unfortunately. And then he has some pretty Miss Saudi stuff. I will say, though, yeah. I will say I did enjoy an Orton match that he had on it, I went three and a quarter on it was long it was like 25 minutes it reminded me of a Wrestlemania classic but hey man they had some really good moments it's just he needs to cut out 25 to 30 percent of his shit <laughs> during this era he'd be a he'd be in a hell of a lot better shape uh legacy wise if he did with some of that stuff later on yeah I, but, I agree there but um not going into too much detail because I went into a little detail with it. That's kind of his career in a nutshell with the main stuff being his best, apo- his best character or excuse me, his best storyline is stone cold. In my opinion, outside of DX stuff, then the, and then the rock mix in undertaker, Sean stuff. Um, Jericho's a miss, but they have a really good blow. Yeah. They have a good blow off at in the Hell in the Cell four stars. But we'll get we'll get more into that. But that's pretty much where I'll get more into it on work uh, resume wise. But um, those his storylines. Uh, I think this kind of coincides with star power and longevity. It's it's hard to say Triple H there. You know, there's a lot of there's some misses in there. Don't get me wrong, but in company history wise. I think that Jericho lived as an upper mid-carder and Triple H lived in the main events. Yeah, I think that's one where, yeah, like 
there's never a time where Triple H is just kind of hanging around without a designated feud. Yeah. Where you know where Triple I'm not sure if that's a talent thing or a connections thing, but and you know, it's just and also Jericho took a lot more time off, so he's not in as much story. Yeah, but Jericho's much more reliable to fill a show. Triple H is kind of it, much more reliable to sell the house in a way. You know what I mean? Does that make sense in a way? Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. Triple H is, you know his storyline is going to be the top of the shows, where Jericho, it's it might not be, it might just be a week or two feud with some guy to just get something to go with, but Triple H is probably in the dedicated feud. And honestly, a lot of his storyline stuff is really good. It's kind of the matches that that get hampered. But, you know, we, we'll deal with that with the matches. But the storylines, sometimes the matches are hurt because of the storylines in a way to kind of extend them or to get that's where they get a little wonky because of the storyline. But overall, I think the storylines are, are, are strong and he is a very, very important character within the WWE. Yes. All right. So check mark Triple H promo skills. This one's going to be interesting. They both are pretty good promos in a way. So what do you got for Chris Jericho and promos? Uh, I think just like I've kind of hit on in flexibility, he is able to give three different types of promos, like the rock star thing where he's kind of come out and be over the top. That was big for his first uh, part of his career. Then the suit wearing calling everyone hypocrites and simpletons and then finally with the list where and he always had he always kept parts of it the same like he always did the mispronouncing names mispronouncing different cities and where they were you know so he had things that he did the same but he kind of was always able to adjust it to whatever he needed to and, you know, face heel. Sometimes the face stuff could be a little, little too peppy for me, but I think still it got good reactions. It made people like him. So I'd say promo skills. He's, I mean, I think most people would say he's one of the top promos in rough in WWF history. Yeah. And then just really his Oh, eight, 09 stuff is just peak peak promo stuff with you know the the reinvention and then the Nick Bogwinkle and you know he you said that earlier but man he really lives up to the hype with it for sure yeah yeah and then even his stupid funny like his stupid funny stuff's awesome you know oh yeah yeah there's plenty of that and then like with the list I mean like I said that was like in 2016 2017 like one of the biggest pops of the night would be him finding someone's name and putting them on the list. <laughs> yeah. Like we said earlier, it's filler stuff, but it's really good. Yeah. All right. So promo skills. Are you ready? Get it? Come on, man. You, you know, you yeah. know, you know, I'm sold ready. It. You, you know, sold it. I said, but are you ready? That's his, his opening line. All right. Anyways, <laughs> I hope someone gets that. What the fuck? <laughs> All right. But the DX stuff, the blue blood stuff is kind of first. The blue blood stuff 
Uh, that was more like character work opposed for like promos where's the strength there. So I wouldn't really think of promo work with the blue blood stuff. Right. So maybe we'll get into that with the character work, but um, the DX stuff, I can't come on, man. I can't believe you still, are you ready? That's how he opened up his promos. Come on, man. I can't believe you know sold that. But anyways, um, so the DX stuff, the whole rigmarag, it was formulaic, but Jesus Christ, was it over? You know what I mean? That's just peak him. Um, very super memorable stuff. And that a lot of that is due to the promos. Uh, but then again, promos with him that he has a lot of peak promos. Like I just talked about that SummerSlam pre SummerSlam one where China was kind of getting a little popular and where he became the game for the first time. Oh yeah. That, yeah. That's a really strong, that was a really strong promo. And they just really, the promo, remember where he was sitting down with Jr. And he's like, I yeah, am that fucking good. You know what I mean? Black and he, they think it was. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, like, I think it was like a Sunday night heat or whatever, but they played it all the fucking time. Yeah. They played it. But he, that's super, super, super memorable, too. But, oof. And the promo on the O-2 return, you know, it, he didn't really have to do much because the crowd was ready, but he gave her a nice, good promo there. But the this is where it kind of gets a little long-winded with the evolution and the reign of terror and the clean-shaved and Triple H promos, where it's the same every week. They're good cadence. Yeah. But they're they're long by half. You know what I mean? If if we clean that up, then again we're trying to fill raw, shallow roster, go out there, you're the fucking game, whatever. Some love it, not many do. Some hate it, most do. Um, I'm somewhere in the middle with it, but I understand. I think it's well well delivered, and well you know spoken, and he feels like a star, and it's moving stories, but. Man, the volume is just way, 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 way too much. And, but then, and then we get to 06. I really liked him around when he grew like late 05, when he kind of settled down. He was past the Batista stuff, and he kind of just settled into a role. And he had like the Harley Race missing chin facial hair. He 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 kind of brought his cool factor back. Yeah, me. he's kind of like just the cool dick for. Yeah. Like the six months before DX there. Yeah. yeah. And I really like the Cena program um, in the WrestleMania match. We'll get into later. I like it a lot. I think it's very good. But um, I just really like that was like my favorite um, ruthlessly aggressive Triple H. And then the DX stuff. He they, they, He's the one that really makes it work where Sean is just like way too wonky. He's a he's a church guy. Triple H can flirt a little bit with like the old school DX and he plays off Sean's like, I don't really want to go here. But Triple H is the one that's kind of making it work in a way. You know what I mean? So. I don't know. It's um, and then the the legacy stuff where the 08 stuff or whatever, where he has that. We talked about that five year babyface run. Promos are fine. Nothing super, super memorable. And then, like, I think he becomes a really good promo when he's, like, in these later on um, feuds where, you know, it's the Reigns stuff. He has good – he tries. He has good promos with the Reigns. The Rollins stuff, it was – his thing. We just knew it was going to happen for fucking 18 months. So it was just like Rollins was stagnant because he has to wait for WrestleMania to have his feud with Triple H. So that was a lot of the reject, rejection to that, too. 
in a way. And he's really good in the Ronda stuff. He he showcases Ronda great, and he's super good in that. And then the, the, besides missing triple uh, Kurt Angle by a mile, Kurt Angle, <laughs> it, Kurt Angle, the Kurt Angle meme. Um, and then that, like I mentioned earlier, that empty arena raw where he has the appreciation. It's like Vince comes out, and it's so like it's an empty arena, but. Stephanie calls, uh, like, flares on the phone. They do a lot of it on the phone. It's super weird, but Triple H is, like, super endearing and fun in it. Um, but I don't know. And then just opening NXT takeovers a lot. He's really good yeah. at that role, too. Um, so he's a lot of hit and miss. I think Jericho's more consistent. I kind of, it's This is weird. Triple H has a lot of good volume, but Jericho has... I would say Jericho's more consistent with Triple H has more highs, but I would go consistency here with Jericho on promos. How about you? Yeah, I think this is one where you do have to take the good with the bad and kind of figure out, you know, what's the success rate in Jericho. It's probably 90 and Triple H might be like 75. You know, I think that's kind of, yeah, I would say that the way I would look at it. I would say Triple H drew more money with the mic, but Jericho filled better TV with the mic, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I think so, yeah. Because Jericho's never really a draw. Not that Triple H is a huge draw, but, you know, I I don't know if that kind of makes sense. But character work, um, I don't want to bleed into it too much because they kind of bleed into each other. But I would say promo... I would give the notch to Jericho, and we'll see about character. All right, so character work and Chris Jericho, what do you got? Side ponytail, right. thing I think about. So, again, character work kind of goes with storylines and the, the ability to be three very distinct characters, really four even, if you count the, the 2012 where he's just – silent at first and then well that kind of goes back to what he was with in 08 though where he's kind of calling punk a hypocrite because and punk's a drunk and all that stuff so i think he's and like i said kind of goes with what we've been talking about so far but the ability to just make all three of those characters realistic and all of them work like there's never a time where you're like i hate this period of Jericho when he was doing this, like there might be certain feuds that you weren't into, but you can't really say he never, nothing, everything made sense. It was logical that in 08, he turned healed on the fans who were cheering with Shawn Michaels, who he called a hypocrite. It made sense that he, you know, ends up going after CM Punk in 2012, because CM Punk, had said he was the best in the world. And that's something Jericho had been saying beforehand. It makes sense when uh, he comes in and, you know, he claims AJ Styles is just trying to steal his spot right away when he comes in. So it's always everything he, all most of his storylines, at least not everything, but most of it's very consistent. And I think he's always been credited as a guy who's been very involved in his character work, in his storylines, you know, since he's come into the WWF. I know supposedly him and Trish were like the two main people staring there, uh, that storyline. And I'm sure from like 
2012, whenever he came in, he had a lot of say in what he was doing. And I think that helps to show how he understands his characters. Yeah. And this kind of bleeds into flexibility, too, in a way. Right. Yeah, that's kind of what I. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to kind of just kind of nail that in one more time for you. All right. So Triple H, you get the blue blood kind of uh, a knockoff of his WCW character, but with a WWE twist. And they just, you know, the WWE, when they introduce a guy, they kind of just hammer home one aspect of him. Yep. And they went with the snob aspect, right? Like the blue blood, he is better than you. He's uh, from Greenwich, Connecticut. I'm from Greenwich, Connecticut. Vince McMahon, you know what I mean? Vince McMahon, I'm from Greenwich, Connecticut. I see all these fucking snobs. So let's, you know, perfect. Let's go with triple, you know, let's empathize that, whatever. So Triple H is that blue blood and they really hammer in that he is a snob and he's better than you. And I think he's very good at the role. I mean, it gets him some long, gets him some decent longevity there where he is uh, in the mid card and then he rises to the upper mid card by the time he's ready to join DX he loses the Hunter Hearst Helmsley, and he's referred to as Triple H because it sounds cool, and DX is cool. So he he really comes into the, he becomes a degenerate. He becomes Shawn Michaels' grab ass buddy, and they're assholes. But this is at a time where society loves a good asshole, and those guys are fucking loved, and they're heels. They act like heels. They're really the first guys to kind of act like heels and get over his heels. As a duo, you know, you know, Stone Cold, in a way, was with them, too. You know what I mean? So it's kind of, it's not, were they the first ones when it was really Stone Cold? But, you know, they're kind of the first ones also. And just, so just to see Triple H be a snob, and then six months later, he's this lovable, hateable, you know, he's, he's a heel, but he's lovable. And just, he does a complete 180 where he's a degenerate. You know what I mean? So that was pretty cool character work and it's you know it works um the character like the shields with slaughter like that stuff's awesome that's stupid that's the poker game with the headbangers the boxers the 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 china mooning you know it's just it's awesome 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 character work and triple and it's not all Shawn michaels it's triple h and then he really steps up he really starts his tutorial with a night after wrestlemania where he give you know he with the heart or whatever and he gives that awesome promo introduces X-Pac the outlaws join later and the new DX is 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 ready to rock and roll and it and it's off of Triple H's character work cuz you know the outlaws were similar but they weren't really you know they weren't established yet and X-Pac was just returning but in this WWE world he is literally the one you know he's a one two three kid jobber in a way mid carter at most and triple h elevates them um so and they get over due to the character worth being degenerates we talked about it with the peak moments we're not gonna go over that everyone knows dx dx is a top three group in the history of wrestling they might be the biggest group in the company's in the wwe's history you know, NWO being one and then, you know, Horseman and then probably DX. So DX, what we're talking WWF slash WWE. Um, and then really he ticked up again when he became the cerebral assassin. He became the game. You know, he's sick of taking a backseat and he he just shows a super vicious side. 
He's he's malicious. He he's not a goofy asshole. He's not a fun-loving asshole. He's a cerebral asshole. And that's a character trait that he developed earlier. You know, to the core, he's a snobby asshole. To the core, now he's a fun-loving, happy-go-lucky asshole, and now he's a vicious fucking asshole. So he's true to himself. He's an asshole. So he's always an asshole, but now he's a vicious one, and it's warranted. He, some of the character work he has, yes, the sledgehammer is indulgent, a hundred percent. But oof, like even not including that, it's just his mannerisms, asshole promos, asshole. He's just he's just over. And then he's wrestler of the year in 2000 on many lists. And a lot of that is due to the character work that gets him over to put him in the spots to have those matches. And then the unthinkable with Triple H where he levels up, excuse me, the unthinkable with Stone Cold where they become the two man power trip. And unfortunately he blows his knee out a month or two months into that run. And that was an awesome run where Stone Cold Steve Austin's coming off a four year run where he's the hottest thing on the fucking planet and Triple H feels on his level. So, you know, that's just 95, 96, 97, 98, 2000, 2001. Six year trajectory where he is a rising stock every year, levels up every year, and he finally makes it and he blows out his knee, has an awesome return, and the character work really kind of starts to take a dip. Now, he's very reliant on the evolution but it's cool. It's he's the now, you know, he's the here. All the all the legacy guys are done. Undertaker's on the other brand. Stone Cold's retiring. The Rock's in Hollywood. All these WCW guys think they're going to come take my take my throne. No way. I'm the game. I'm the king of kings. I'm the cerebral assassin, blah, blah, blah. But if he was a little insecure, he would have got a little more mileage. And this is kind of where he doesn't have the flexibility earlier. This is where the flexibility starts to hurt him. This is where he kind of becomes a negative in a lot of people's eyes, including mine to an extent, but he does have some peak moments where he puts some guys over Goldberg, but it's terrible, right? So he, at this point where he's putting guys over, it's, is he sandbagging? You know, what's he, it's just, it's just, isn't connecting. Right. Uh, besides Benoit, like he, he's phenomenal in the Benoit thing. But anyways, he's this asshole until 2005, where we just talked about with the promos. He has all these awesome promos. I mean, this is where he kind of finds his lane as a character. But he's just like, all right, I'm established. Uh, Scene is the guy. So I don't have to be the guy. You know, it's very clear that Scene is the guy. So I can kind of just find my lane, pick my spots. And he's more likable as like an overall act he's less insecure when he's insecure he fucking sucks (laughs) we've come to learn uh the character work with dx of course it's not going to be 90 97 98 99 dx it's kind of 60% of that in a way um he's doing the heavy lifting it's fun it's harmless the mcmahon stuff's awesome due to their character work um it's but it's upper mid card stuff and it's overall fun edge stuff hurts his knee legacy stuff and then he just Kind of just that mid-card baby, or not that, that main event baby face. We've gone over it through the thing. Now now we come to the authority where he's an asshole again. And he's really good in the role, but it's just a three-hour Raw. It's a lot of repeats. It's SmackDown in Raw. This is the era where SmackDown and Raw are the same storyline. So you get a lot of the same, same, same 
hair pulling stuff that we talked about a little bit earlier. But overall, he's pretty good in the role to the to the flaws of him overall. And then good with Rhonda, good with all that stuff. Overall, I think he's a strong character, one of the top characters overall, even dealing with the negatives due to the peaks of his rise in the 90s in early 2000s. What about you, buddy? What say you? Yeah, I think he's, you know, kind of what we've talked about earlier for him. Like, yeah, he's got, I think the actual work of the characters he's playing is good, but like that O3 stuff, it's like, I don't care about this character. I'm like checked out on this character. It's yeah. Especially I, I would say, especially the first, Oh, really? Most (laughs) pretty much all of 2003, like the Steiner feud is terrible. Bad. The Booker feud is moments, but overall Uh, it's it's bad. I think, it's built the wrong way. I mean, if yeah, they it's, want, it's, it's insecurity. It's it's, yeah. it's it's like I talked about earlier. When he's insecure, he's brutal. You know, it's just ugh. You know, like were the plans to give the belt to triple uh, to give the belt to Booker T? No, but the storyline was you had to give the belt to Booker T. Yeah, that. I mean, they could they could have done it. They could have done it. Just as easily where they made it more of a WCW thing. Like, but no, of course that would be too, too easy. They have to make it racial and then it's just not, you don't want the conquering baby face should win the feud, not the heel. Well, he's in the bathroom and he's like, he's Booker T's looking to him. He's in the, he finds him in the bathroom and he's like, Hey, I got a dollar. Can you hand me a towel? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know, that's just one of the raws. It's just, and again, it's not, it's not like he's writing it, but he could have vetoed it. It's also, it's, I hate to say it, it's a different world, but it still doesn't, it doesn't age well at all. And it's not acceptable. You know what I mean? You're on national yeah, TV. That's exactly, just not acceptable. Yeah. But I will say all time moment where, where gold dust gets electrocuted and the next week on raw you got Ric Flair and Triple H reacted to Goldust, and Goldust is phenomenal with the stuttering. Doing and the stuttering, them, yeah. And then he's like, go, go, go. And then them just reacting to it. It's it's just, it's it's awesome. They were great in that moment. So that's why I said it was kind of okay. But it, it's it's not okay. The match was okay. The, actually, the match wasn't bad. The match it, isn't bad. No, I think the match is, a lot of people say it's bad because of the storyline, but if it's just, if you don't watch the pre-match video package where they show the feud and you just watch the match in a vacuum, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, it's a good. It's like a three and a quarter star match. It's good. Um, but yeah, it's 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 peak Booker T, and he really should have won. Even though if the plan was never to give him the belt, you got Goldberg coming in, so it doesn't really line up. Steiner was a bust. Booker T's been around for fucking two years at this point. He's not. He's a reliable guy. We could have went with him. Yeah, he could have held the belt even for a month, and then he'd still have Goldberg to take it off Triple H eventually. So we're talking 03 terrible, right? But that is one of 24 years. Right, that's true. But then I'd also say, like, the authority, like, I think, especially when he wasn't wrestling with the authority, like, you know, not right around WrestleMania, like, there was no need for him to be out every night, every week almost. 
cutting fifteen minutes promos. And it's SmackDown. It's just Yeah, it's it's encapsulating the whole fucking show. It's too much. That's the point where I a lot of like I said earlier, a lot of people are at the point where they were just like, oh, during the pandemic. I was like that at this point. And a lot of it's because of the authority, you know? Yeah, and I mean they but were coming off and stuff in it too. It's well performed at a lot of times too, and you got a lot of jump up moments within it. You got the Brian stuff, you got the Orton stuff. You know, it's it's really there's some decent stuff within it, but as a whole, it's just like, ugh, come on, guys. Yeah, I think this is this kind of goes with character work. Like, do you take off points for characters that? I mean, I guess he's playing the role right the right way, but it's a bad role. It's it's too much of a role. He's also a heel and he's supposed to be hated, but it shouldn't be go away heat. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like Jericho, his promos, his character work, he got over as a heel, which was tough for him at points because he was always, there was always a section of fans that were going to cheer for him, you know? And then there's always a section of fans that would cheer for him easily, but if he's acting like an asshole, he'll get booed. Yep. So, what? Where would you go? Where would you go? All right. So, what's his peak? Oh eight. Jericho. Yeah, I would say yeah. Oh eight. Oh eight. Oh nine. Versus DX Triple H bleeding into two thousand Triple H in two thousand one Triple H before he gets hurt. Right. Yeah. So how would you weigh that? Uh. It's tough to say because that's, you know, one of the few times comparing those two, it's actually different errors, you know, which we it's haven't different. done a lot, a lot of in yeah. this podcast. But I'd say it probably lean. Yeah, but no, I'd say like you could say Jericho's not the main guy. It's either Cena or Michaels. But then with Triple, Triple H, 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 the Rock. Or Stone Cold is the number one guy. Yeah, or but even you could say yeah. Triple H. You could say Triple H wrestler of the year 2000. Very easy. Yeah, yeah, you could. And, and but you could say Jericho is wrestler of the year in a way in in 08, even though he had a rocky start. But then again, I would my thing would be he's working with one of the best guys of all time that whole year in Shawn Michaels. Yeah, that's true. So I don't know. I. I gave Jericho the promos. I would go Triple H with the character work. But I would understand, because Jericho's a very strong character, too. Again, if we're going eight, I'm going eight, five. You know what I mean? If Jericho, if Jericho's a, whatever it is, it's it's just a tick under. You know, I the only reason I go character work with Triple H a little tick better is because it probably encountered a little more money at the end of it. It's just my opinion. And then you see him in the NXT dad character work. How much, you know, that's that's. Do you weigh that too? Because he's yeah. Very, I was gonna say, would that should that count? Because it's not. I mean, he's not even not like he's wrestler. Regal. He's yeah. not regal, but his presence is there. You know right. what I mean? So I don't know, man. Triple H, asshole. Triple H in the early 2000s, not like 2002. Before that, right. And no, yeah, his oh, his yeah, DX into the 
the game is pretty good. I would give, I would say the peak of that is probably good, but I don't know how much you want to take, how much you take into account, you know, the down, then, the minuses. Like he, the character work he was when he retired McFoley, and then the year later at the No Way Out, and then the the Royal Rumble in one and and then of the two man power trip, Jericho ain't touching that in my opinion. But Jericho doesn't have the lows. This is the part where it's kind of a kick in the dick. Yeah. That and the that and the work. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll oof, I don't want to go equal sign, but if you want to go Jericho and I go Triple H, this is where this is this is where it's is he is he ten? Is he twenty? Is he thirty? Is he forty? This 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 is how he's your this stuff is what you're gonna factor. This is the hard stuff. Yeah, this is where it's hard. I mean, you have to like just compare guys on a point by point basis, kind of. But give me, give me even the rise, the Rock feud in '98 leading to that ladder match, it, where his rise up the mid card, his degenerate stuff, like, and then the Foley stuff, the Austin, I I don't know, man. Even the oh the the 2000 Rock stuff, the Benoit stuff, like, ugh. I don't think I think people sleep on his 2000 man, and then his early his two man he was awesome with that two man power trip to feel like he was at that. Jericho's two man power trip was Kevin was with Kevin Owens, but still, I love that stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean that was that was good stuff. But I'm talking box office. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Like Jer- Triple H is bigger, but Jericho was making ever everything work like triple h uh, ambrose didn't work Wyatt didn't yeah. work. fandango didn't work jericho has his stinkers too but he goes away and you don't remember them and they're not as important to the company and so and the, and the light isn't really on him as bright <laughs> right the only big time main event that you could kind of call a stinker is with triple h so yeah that kind of cancels each other out i would say but Big top 15 guys like like a Brock Lesnar, like a Undertaker, never even touched Chris Jericho. Why is that? You know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. That was my argument with Jericho versus Punk, where I always was like, Punk's better. Because the reason being, like, in that time frame, they both around... But why did a Lesnar, why did an Undertaker never touch Jericho? And they look credible. Both of them look credible against Punk, or Punk look credible against both them. You know that's so. And then Triple H, of course, look credible. You know, looks absolutely. There's no doubt about it. So that, that's kind of where I fall in line too. Jericho stuff. His great stuffs against Chris Benoit. His great stuffs against the Shawn Michaels. His great stuffs against like Kevin Owens or whatever. You know, character work wise. So. Those are level down guys besides Shawn Michaels, really. I don't know. It's interesting. I haven't even talked about Kevin Nash stuff. That stuff's terrible. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Do you want me? You want to just go equal side and leave it up to the discretion of the viewers or the? Listeners? Yeah, I, th- I think this one. Yeah, I think they both make good points, but it's hard. I don't think either you, of us is gonna fold. None of us are gonna fold, and it's to the discretion of you. You guys could think that my points are fantastic about the the, the the high points, 
But then you could think, uh, well, again, I'm a ha- glass half full kind of guy. And I, I understand that there are negatives, but I think the highs are super higher than Jericho. We agree that. But Jericho is hitting doubles his whole career and triples and not as many home runs, but he is a consistent 325 hitter. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and Triple H is in, Triple in H is uh uh two seventy he's, he's, he's a three outcome hitter. Yeah. He, yeah. He he Triple H is hitting two fifty with a shitload of strikeouts and a shitload of bombs, you know? Right, yeah. He's the Albert Bell. All right. Work rate and Chris Jericho. In ring skills, what do you got for Jericho? Alright, well there I mean he's he's able to change this also throughout his you know, kind of a high flyer, but technical also could brawl. He, he, they got things filled out to the floor and different types of matches. He could brawl pretty well, you know, ladder matches he's done, uh, tag matches, really good TLCs. Uh, what else would I say? Oh, and also I think it's interesting, you know, he had the walls of Jericho, the lion salt, then he added the code breaker in 07 when he came back. So he always made sure to add a little something here and there, you know, different wrinkles. And then as he got older, the athletic, the high flying went down a little bit, but he get he got really good at being able to like grind a guy down kind of, especially as a heel kind of sit in the hold, but while he's sitting in a hold, you know, he's yelling at the crowd and trying making sure that they're involved in what he's doing. So I think he's a very good in between wrestler, you know, in between yeah. the fools wrestler. Yeah. Yeah. He could make sure that, you know, maybe I should have brought this up in character work, but especially like those, I'm thinking like 2008, nine, even if it's not against like a Shawn Michaels, he'd have matches you know, with like Evan Bourne on Raw, I remember one time, and he's just making the fans invested in that match, really getting it down, and able to work with a lot of guys. You know, he worked with, you know, they're small, like not really cruiserweights. He never kind of went down to that level, but like X Pac, you know, he had a feud with a couple of times, and then, you know, if he had to fight the Big Show or Undertaker, he would do that. You know. He teamed with Big Show also, but they had a couple of matches that were too bad. But I think work rate, he's very, again, he, you know, kind of goes with what we've been, I've been saying about him, very flexible. You know, he could do work as a face, work as a heel, work in tag teams, work different styles. Yeah, I think he's pretty high in work rate. I would say that's another the only one. Negative he, I have on, the only negative I have on his work is he's a shitty puncher. Terrible puncher. Yeah, I think he got towards the end. I think he got better. He'd do more of the like forearms, which improved, I would say. Yeah, but I always noticed him being a, a god awful puncher. But anyways, I don't want to hold it against him. Triple H, on the other hand, great striker. Throws a hell of a right hand. A pretty underrated bump and feeder, you know, especially for guys of his size and thickness. He can get up and bump and feed with some of the best of them. Um. He, he's he's at best when he's able to go out there and brawl, you know, have that man, that street fight, go out there to have that, <clears throat> excuse me, that no holes barred, knock him down, drag him out, Donnie Brook. That's his absolute best 
scenario. Uh, technically, he's fine. He's polished. I would say he's a good seller, but he's also a bad seller at times too, especially later in his career. He doesn't. He he seemed to lost when he got later in his career, and he got in his in ring got a lot less. He probably stayed on script a little bit too much to his fault, where he seemed he would veer a little bit away from and he go with the crowd, work the crowd a lot in the earlier match in his, earlier in his career, like I talked about he really had his thumb film on the pulse, but like in his later stuff with his Rollins stuff, his rain stuff, especially in the big matches, he had his formula, he had his timestamp and he went out there and filled it where he really should have read the crowd, accelerated stuff. All right, Hey, we're going to ditch this. We're going to go home five, 10 minutes early. Let's get into the heat. Let's get into that. Instead of really going out there and just taking his, br- he, he has a hard time um, selling and taking breaks, <laughs> kind of deciphering the two in a way. So overall, I think he's pretty polished. I think he's very good, but he's in his lane, and his lane is is really a brawling lane. He ain't going out there doing triple triple you know moonsaults, and he ain't going out there. He doesn't have the flexibility in ring as a Jericho, but he doesn't need to honestly. He he has his formula and it works for him. But I'm gonna go work rate wise. I'm gonna go Jericho. Yeah, I think Jericho just. Even later, he's able to work the right type of match, and maybe that's, you know, Triple H is given a little more freedom, but I think that hurts him more than it helps him. I think Triple H has a better main event match, especially in the meat of his career. You know what I mean? But Jericho yeah. is a better overall, like, up and down the card, like you said earlier, flexible wrestler. He can go out there and do the great tag. He's Jericho's a great tag wrestler, by the way. Fantastic yeah. wrestler. Super hot um a really good baby face. I mean, a really good hot tag. Yeah, baby face hot tag. And he's really good. Just he's calc- like he he lays those matches tag matches out great. He's an underrated. Him and Edge are probably the best, one of the better tag workers in the companies. All right. Yeah. This is the main event right here, buddy. Match yep. resume. All right. What do we got for Chris Jericho in match resume? All right, I'll try to run through this a little quick just to make sure we're doing okay. So first big-time match would be losing to China in the Intercontinental title at Survivor Series, and then he comes back and wins it at Armageddon. So for a big first title win there. Uh, and then loses to Kurt Angle at No Way Out, so that's a big dropping of the belt. And then it... WrestleMania, the Benoit Angle Jericho triple threat match. It's okay. I think it would have been a lot better like a year later with a more seasoned angle in it, but it's still pretty good for what it is. It's, you know, all three of their WrestleMania's debuts, so that's a big, a big deal. And then, yeah, he beats Triple H on Raw in a really good, like, 12 minute match, probably. And it ends up getting overturned, but we won't worry about that too much. And then next, I would say again, with Triple H at fully loaded, they have the last man standing match, which is a really great match. And Triple H wins, but it was one of the matches. It was the match on that card where I think the veteran gave the most to the newcomer. It was very even and it just, at the last second, Triple H is just able to stand up a little bit longer. 
Uh, next, I would say we'd go to the Royal Rumble, where he has the ladder match with Benoit for the IC title. And then at WrestleMania X7, he starts off the show against Regal. And then on Raw, uh, May 21st, is it? Yeah, May 21st, him and Chris Benoit against Steve Austin and Triple H and what I still think is one of the top at least five matches in Raw. I mean, it's just a great tag match. Back and forth, Triple H blows out his quad but keeps wrestling. And, you know, eventually Jericho gets the win to win the belts. And then the next night, they're in a four-way TLC match, which is crazy. And throughout this month, he's he's feuding with Austin, so he's a couple of matches on Raw with Austin for the title, and then at King of the Ring, they have the big triple threat match. And then he's in the Invasion feud. He's in the Invasion, the uh, inaugural brawl, they called it, the big 10-man where Austin turns. Uh, then he starts feud with The Rock at No Mercy. They have a match against each other, and then they fight like a week and a half later on Raw where Rock wins the belt back. And then they're both involved in the Survivor Series main event, which is one of the best Survivor Series matches ever, I would say. And him, he's the second-to-last guy eliminated, actually. So he's in it most of the match. It's not like, you know, saying, oh, Ken Patero was in a great Survivor Series match in 1987 when he's in the ring for 45 seconds. You know, Jericho's a main cog in that match and then his next great thing would be at vengeance the match with the rock is i would say i think i have that at three and a quarter or no three and three quarters and then the awesome match at three and a quarter but that's still pretty good for two guys who just wrestled 20 minute matches that still have enough to go out there um rumble against the rock is still a really great match. It's probably their highest one. I love the jumping rock bottom off one announce table through the other. Uh, and then Do you have a score it, on that? Uh, that one I went four, I think. Yeah, I went four too. That's fine. Yeah. I was just curious. It was in my head. That's the one match I did watch that match recently. Go ahead. Yeah, and then the Hell in a Cell match against Triple H. I would say that's. I had that I four. I had, okay, I think I was. I had it. Three and a quarter, three and three quarters. So I thought it was pretty good. It's just there's a little bit of stuff. I think the I get why they did the referee, but I thought it took a little too much time. Is that where White got hurt? Yeah, I think that is where he legitimately got hurt, and then you know three years later he tried to end it numerous times. Yeah, yeah, and then he actually on SmackDown right around here has a really good match against Hogan, and it's kind of like uh you could tell he was he wanted to wrestle Hogan and pulls a good match out of him on SmackDown, which is kind of surprising. Uh then kind of his next really good match I would say would be you'd have to go to WrestleMania nineteen, him versus Michaels. A great match, which is even better with the low blow at the end of the match. Just makes it so good. And then they actually have a match on Raw over the summer, which is also very good. And that one, Jericho wins. I think 
Orton interferes or someone gets involved in that. I forgot exactly who. But then uh, the match with Christian at WrestleMania is very good. I think that one I have at four stars. I think that's a great match. And then so 2004, I'm trying to see the next one I have. It. So at New Year's Revolution, he's in the Elimination Chamber. The Triple H, Batista, Benoit, Orton, and Edge. Uh, really good outing in that. And then at WrestleMania 21, Money in the Bank, like I've said. And he's really good at all these multi-man ladder cage matches. He's always involved in them. The Elimination Chamber also, I forgot to mention that. He's involved in that. And always a he never falls to the background in these big multi-man matches. And then at so 21, 22, or at uh, Vengeance, he faces Christian and John Cena in a triple threat match. And then at SummerSlam, he has a great match with, with Cena, kind of ending his first chapter in the, in the WWF before he leaves, comes back. He has a he comes back his first match is uh well his first big match is a match with Orton, which is okay, but then JBL gets involved and no one's gonna have great matches with two thousand eight JBL, so that kind of hurts him a little bit to get his groove back, I would think. But then he does have a really good match on Raw where he beats Jeff Hardy to win the Intercontinental title. And then again in the triple threat or the money in the bank match at WrestleMania. Then he starts the feud with Michaels. He has a match with him at Judgment Day, which is really good. And then the Unforgiven match and the No Mercy ladder match, including, and then also at Unforgiven, he's, it's not a great performance by him, but he's in the scramble match where he just rolls it at the end and wins as he's still so beat up from the match with Jericho earlier in the night. And then he starts, uh, so he's the champ. He beats, he actually loses the title to Batista, but then wins it back on Raw in a cage match, which was kind of a big, a big deal. And then he loses to Cena at Survivor Series. Um, and then at No Way Out, he was... Yeah, he's in the, an elimination chamber, and again, I said, like, any of those matches he's in, he's always one of the top guys going at it. 2009, he's... That's the radio. He has the, yeah, he has the match with uh, Ricky Steamboat, which is crazy that he's able to get that match out of Ramis, R- Ricky Steamboat. I was at that show. Three and a quarter, uh, three and a half stars. Uh, the Backlash? Mm-hmm. The singles match? Yeah. And then in May, he starts a feud with Rey Mysterio. And anytime these two guys, it is just awesome. Yeah, uh, I think they had three pay-per-view matches. Yeah, Judgment Day, Jericho loses. Extreme Rules, Jericho wins. And then at the Bash, Jericho loses, and it's a mask versus title match. And then at uh, the next great match I thought he had was Survivor Series where it's him and Big Show versus The Undertaker. That is just, it's 
that's a shame that we never really got a longer Undertaker Jericho feud because the times they're at it going at it in this match is really good. And then he wins at another elimination chamber. He wins it in 2010, defeating the Undertaker. And then his match with Edge at WrestleMania, it's it's okay. I think Edge was still kind of shaking off the ring rust from his injury. Mm-hmm. And then he's he's in that Nexus so much play match. I'm not sure how you feel about that match. I think the first 40 minutes of it is good, and he's involved in that part. But first, first 40 minutes, that says it all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's saying something right there. And then next uh, is two matches with Punk at WrestleMania 28, and the next month at Extreme Rules are really good. He has really good matches with Dolph Ziggler at SummerSlam, and even the next night on Raw was pretty good. Uh, 2013, he comes in. He's all right there. No real great matches. Um, I sh- do want to note, though, in 2015, he has a match with Neville. It's on the it's a network show. It's like Beast in the East, I think. Yeah, it was the Beast in the East where it's it was on the 4th of July at like 7 in the morning. I don't know if you remember watching oh, yeah. that. Watch that. Yeah, that was... Him and Neville will have a great little, like, 15-minute match to open the show. And then his match with AJ Styles is all right. They don't – It's. I know a lot of people were upset when Jericho won, but I think Styles won the number one contendership the next night. So it's not like it, it buried him to lose to Chris Jericho. And Jericho then – Holding down the new guys. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, Jericho's known for burying everyone. And then he has the SummerSlam opener with Owens against uh, Enzo and Cass, which I think is probably their best match, mm-hmm. which isn't saying much, but it's better than nothing. And, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. He had, And then the match at WrestleMania with Owens, is it's all right. I know it didn't get rave reviews, but I think it was pretty good for... They kind of got squashed with time, I think. They kind of hurt them. But, yeah, and then, like I said, he's in the 50-man Royal Rumble, doesn't do much. Eliminates Shelton Benjamin, but I'm not going to put that as a peak match for him. (laughs) But I would say... I do want to say most Rumbles, he is always... Like, 03 comes to mind right away. He's in that, and... He's like the main guy in that one for quite a while. I would say until like number 20. He's great. I watched that one recently. He's all about him. Yeah. And including where he gets the huge knot over his eye from the kendo stick (laughs) and is wrestling like most of the match with that. And then any rumble really he's in, he's always doing stuff. He's not a guy who comes in and just pushes someone in the corner. He's getting involved. He's moving around. I think rumbles and multi-man matches are, really a strength for him, which some guys are content to just sit in the background until it's their time to do something. But not him. You good? Yeah. Yep. All right. So 
I wrote, I missed, I definitely missed a few, but I have some written down. Let's hit the WrestleMania ones first. I wrote his WrestleMania matches that I would consider or I have over three and a half or three and three quarters. Three and three quarters, you're close to four stars. Four stars, you're close to all time. Four and a quarter, you're definitely at an all time match. You know what I mean? All right, so here we go. WrestleMania 17 against The Undertaker, three and three quarters. WrestleMania, the three way. WrestleMania 20, the three way with Benoit and Michaels, four and three quarters. WrestleMania 22, three and three quarters against John Cena. WrestleMania 24, John Cena and Randy Orton, three and three quarters. WrestleMania 27 against The Undertaker, four and a quarter in that uh, uh, street fight, I think it was, or some bullshit, I don't remember. No hold barred, yeah. No hold barred, whatever. WrestleMania 28 against The Undertaker, Hell in a Cell, four and three quarters. WrestleMania 30 against Daniel Bryan, four and a half. WrestleMania with Stephanie McMahon against... 55-year-old, it seemed like Kurt Angle, and Ronda Rousey in her first ever wrestling match, four and a half. So those are the peak WrestleMania matches I have. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight WrestleMania matches, over three and three-quarter stars. Four of them, or one, two, three, four, five of them being over four and a quarter, which means that they are all time to me. All right, so here what I have, some of the matches that I have over four and a quarter. Uh, four and a quarter, the SummerSlam ladder match against The Rock. Five stars, no way out against Stone Cold, Steve Austin, three stages of hell. Uh, Vengeance against Batista, four and a half stars, hell in the cell. The Royal Rumble street fight against Cactus Jack, five stars. Hell in a cell, no way out, four and a quarter stars. Raw 2001 with Stone Cold Steve Austin versus some jabroni named Chris Jericho and vacant Chris Benoit, four and three quarters. Unsanctioned 2002 WrestleMania, uh, 2002 SummerSlam against Shawn Michaels, four and a half. Edge versus John Cena versus Triple H, Backlash 2006, four stars. He's good in all the elimination chambers that i that we brought up uh 05 in puerto rico um i don't want to go through him. 08 i know he's good 09 oh, he's good he's just really good in elimination chambers and they all grade pretty high he's really good in hell in the cells especially chris jericho four stars um there's a late 2004 raw that i have against Shawn michaels that i have at four stars the last man standing match at the Royal Rumble 2004. I don't have it rated, but I know it was a fucking brawl. Um, last, man, last Man Standing against Ric Flair at Survivor Series 05. I don't have it rated, but I know it was very good. And here are some of his 2000 pay-per-view matches. Uh, the six-way Armageddon match. That's like an all-time Hell in a Cell match. He's a part of that with like five legends in the um, The... He has a great Taka Raw match. He has a great Jericho yeah. moment. He has the Backlash. He has the um, the SummerSlam versus Angle and The Rock. He has the Backlash versus The Rock. He has the Fully Loaded versus Jericho. No Mercy versus Benoit. And then he has the Judgment Day 60-minute Iron Man match versus The Rock. I don't have grades on those, but I know that that's the reason why he is the 2000 wrestler of the year pretty much um uh there's other plethora of stuff here that i could gamut you know through the backlash um another four and a quarter star the backlash 04 rematch against benoit in hbk um there's a 
a 10-way on Raw in February against, like, Too Cool, Mankind, and The Rock with the Radicals and Austin, which is super high. Yeah, I think it's Austin, it's uh, Rock, Cactus, Rikishi, and Too Cool against Triple H, X-Pac, and The Radicals. Yeah, that sounds... Yeah, and I think it's in Dallas. It's a crazy... The heat in that match is just crazy. It's It sounds... Like super fun, I'm not gonna lie. Um, and then, all right, some some of the later stuff that I have here. Uh, five stars versus the Great Kali at SummerSlam 08. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh yeah, all time classic. Yeah, all 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 time classic. The Jeff Hardy No Mercy match is very good. I don't have a grade on it. I forgot. Um, I really just wanted to watch WrestleMania stuff and some of the so the stuff that I mentioned I've watched. Um, like I said, the no uh, elimination chamber. He is great. The Cody stuff with Ted DiBiase and Shawn Michaels is is fairly decent, and they deliver uh, very good throughout the you know throughout that feud. It's kind of surprising, honestly, with the decent Hell in the Cell match. Again, another good gimmick match for Triple H. Triple H is the gimmick king, in my my, my opinion. I have four stars at the Survivor Series 09 against John Cena and Shawn Michaels. He's really good. In the 2010 Royal Rumble, and then Shawn Michaels eliminates him, even though you kind of squashes CM Punk, and that got heat with me, but whatever. Um, Undertaker, no holes. Yeah, I've gone through. So I pretty much, oh, see, this is the one I'm searching for. Four stars versus CM Punk at, you know, he gets a lot of shit for the CM Punk stuff, and it's warranted. You know, oh, his start as like the creative, whatever. It gets off Rocky. He's a baby yeah. face. He gets heel. Like he teams up with him against our truth and Miz. It's it's he definitely cucks CM Punk's heat. And CM Punk yeah, could have is... been could have definitely been a transitional superstar. Hands down, could have been transitional superstars. And Triple H kind of caputes that. They have a pretty good match at Hell in the Cell. I mean, not at Hell in the Cell at Night of Champions. And, but their vengeance stuff is terrible. And then the, the Kevin Nash stuff. At, yeah, I didn't. I didn't even like the Night of Champions match stuff with because doesn't r-truth and miz get involved in that match also and nash it's gimmick it's gimmick but it, it has decent heat you know it's 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 decent heat all right and then he has a good stretch with daniel bryan um and then he had the, the, the daniel bryan match like i mentioned earlier and then the, he had the fun stuff with the shield and the evolution two all-time matches that payback and extreme rules those six mans are fucking awesome lutista especially that stuff's super fun i love this thing match you can't rate it super high it's like three and a half it just missed my wrestlemania match list but um i i, yeah, I enjoyed that match i i, 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 I was laughing my ass off watching it like yes it's absolutely. just so ridiculous that it was meant to be like that so. In the last all-time single match that he has, in my opinion, is the – what is that? He puts the title on the line against Ambrose in his 16. It's not fast. Oh, uh, I think Roadblock. Roadblock, Roadblock yeah. yeah. Is it Roadblock end of the line? But that, that's yeah. a, no, that's no it's not end of the line yet. That's, that's later. Line this, yet? Is just, this is regular Roadblock because it's oh, on the road bad. to WrestleMania. <laughs> my bad, my bad. And then, uh, so here are a few other legacy matches that he has. He's he's decent in that Survivor Series match in 17. You know, it's kind of shitty, but I think he he's decent. And at the Roman Reigns match, like I said, I have a two and a half in a vacuum. It's really not that bad. It's probably a better match than two and a half, but it's the crowd's dead. Everyone hates yeah, it. Yeah, that is. It's. it's, it's I would at, say it's the worst WrestleMania main event. It's it's 
it's brutal. It's brutal. In a vacuum, it's really not that bad, but it's brutal. Um, and the Stephanie promo beforehand, uh, I mean, I know that's, you can't really hold that against him, but I'm going to because it's his wife. It's not just someone that's, dude, this it's, is, it's it's, someone involved. It's the first bloated WrestleMania. We're not conditioned for it. It's, it's way, 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 way too much. Like I said, the WrestleMania match with Ronda is all time. The Rollins match, I watched it before this. The Rollins, the Rollins match, I'm going three and a quarter. It's it's really not that bad. Stretches in, it's very good, but it's it's about five minutes to ten minutes too. It's seven minutes too long. Say, it's this is where Triple H. It's unsanctioned. A lot of the selling is a lot. He's bloated. You know, he's jacked. He, he's on something. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's uh, he's past. Yeah, part, part part timers don't don't need to uh, take wellness tests, I guess. No, no, he he was bloated, and I don't think he did any cardio. But he looked like a million bucks. 08 is weird. He has that ter- he blows his what tricep. He blows his tricep in the tag where he drags Shawn Michaels out. But the 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 Undertaker match is absolute garbage in Saudi. But it's better than the Goldberg Undertaker match. <laughs> and then, and it then doesn't the feature Goldberg killing Undertaker, so it's got a little bit a bump. little bump there. And then the um the, the uh. The Shawn Michaels Nick Gage, where he looks like Nick Gage in the action figure match. <laughs> Shawn Michaels was like the glue in that match, and he hadn't wrestled in ten years. But yeah. and the last match here was mid June in Super Showdown. I actually went three and a quarter in the Orton match. I liked it a lot. Um, it was, but it, it was slow. It, it, it's just too long. Yeah, I think that's like the thing with his. It's twenty five. Last... It's like twenty three minutes. It's too long. Yeah, make that. I mean, I think. Was that a Saudi show or Australia or wherever it was? Like, it's something, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they just, they want to see the big names go out and do your big stuff in 10 minutes. It doesn't have to be 25 minutes. I mean, fucking 15 minutes stud. Let's go, you know, take out the heat and just hit it. Let's go. It's, it's, it's over and done with that stuff's going to give them a bad rap. But at the end of the day, we're talking about seven minutes. You know what I mean? Like, are we going to really let seven minutes at each match define him later in his career? That's that's my biggest thing. I just went through a gamut of all-time matches. I probably named, I didn't count them, but I probably named 25 of them. You know, and I could go through and name the Booker T's and the Goldbergs. And the, the Signer stuff's terrible. The, the, the Nash stuff is awful. But it, there's, no about it. there's no doubt about it. I agree, too. But as my approach is half full... And I take that and I, I, I weigh it, but I don't weigh it as heavy as some, I guess. I don't know. I think Triple H is a top 20, 20 guy. You have him hovering around 20, what, 3, 22? Uh, I had him at 20, but he would, I mean, both guys will probably drop like three to four spots, but they'll be in the same. So Triple H is a top, 20, top 25 guy to you. Yeah, uh, definitely. He's He was 15 for me. I had The Undertaker 14. Okay. Now, now this is are we keeping the same energy with the Undertaker because the Undertaker's lows are a lot lower than Triple H's and it's not yes. even you know yeah I have Undertaker at sixteen but I think I don't know really how to I don't want to compare them right now make that's a whole other thing but I think just trip the Undertaker he is some of the some of the bad stuff is bad because he's yeah. against Giant Gonzalez I mean. And he's the Undertaker. He dies. You know, it's like, right. He dies multiple times. Comes back. So it's kind of like the silly stuff. 
it's with the Undertaker, it's more silly stuff, which I'm willing to take. But Triple H, it's more like stuff that he's choosing to do. Yeah, it's it's yeah, absolutely. That but anyway, that's that's for another day. Um, I'm going resume. I, Jericho's resume is safer. 100 percent. If we were to do great, if we were to average it out, if we were to go in there, and put all put all these star ratings into a generator, I would say the medium might be higher on Jericho. But I can't not look at all these four and a half star matches plus and just look at them. And I think they're stronger than Jericho's. If yeah, I, if you... I weigh that more importantly. You might want the, the more volume the more average grade and that's fine too. You make your list how you want to do it. But I look at the resume being, you know, the, the Foley stuff, the Austin stuff, the 2000 stuff, the rock stuff, the WrestleMania stuff. That's good. You know, the, all the elimination chamber matches. I, you know, I just, I don't know. I think it's true to me. It's triple H, but I, I, but to me, both of these guys are better when the guy above them are better wrestlers. And I don't think you could deny that with either of them, really. Yeah, I think both of them obviously have. I mean, and we each listed however many matches, and we could each go and find 15 great matches for each guy, at least, you know. And it's kind of, it goes to, you know, yeah, they have the longevity, but there's other, there's guys now that have close to the, close to at least Jericho's and don't have, near this number of great matches. Well, and, and, Jer- and I don't want to discourage Jericho's, you know what I mean? He, he is, um, he has them, but don't forget. He also is a guy that talks to uncle Dave on a regular basis throughout his career. So, you know, I think the, I think the rule is if you look at uncle Dave's stuff, you got to take off a quarter star to a half star. When you look at Jericho's name next to it, <laughs> that's the old running joke with me, <laughs> but Mel- Meltzer's whatever, you know, but would you go resume Triple H or you go resume your boy Jericho? Uh, I could I could see the argument for Triple H. So I'll give I'll give a slight nod there. But if but if you're if you're a median guy and you're a volume guy and you really if you can't stand the negatives, I understand you going with Jericho, you know, but to me, but I'm going to go Triple H. And if you're going to agree with me, whatever. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you the nod because. Nowadays, with the network, I could just skip the matches, and it's not its not as bad. <laughs> I hear you. All right, dude, this has been a long one, but this is the heaviest hitter, we, the heavier hitters we've had. Um, so let's go through it at the end real quick. We got Longevity, Triple H. We have Charisma, Chris Jericho. We have Star Power, Triple H. We have Flexibility, Chris Jericho. We have Peak Moments, Triple H. We have Storylines, Triple H. We have Promo Skills, Chris Jericho. We have Character Work with an equal sign in the middle with a, a tinge towards Jericho, but well, we we gave it an equal sign. Work Rate, Jericho. Work Resume, Triple H with a small check mark. All right, Ryan Everett. Has either yeah. of these guys swayed your lists or you kind of just, yeah. It is what it is. I'm, I'm kind of with Jericho. I'm kind of he is where he is. Triple H. That's one that I struggled with last time, and I'm sure I'll struggle with it this time. Like just trying to think, you know, like you've pointed out, there's lots of positives, but how far are the negatives going to bring him down? I think that's the the thing. I think kind of what we've mentioned the whole time. Like 
Jericho, consistent, flexible. Triple H has those high, high peaks, but he's also got wrestling Kevin Nash in 2011 in the sledgehammer match. So, yeah, terrible. <laughs> or it's just god awful main events that go seven minutes too long. You know? Yeah. And they're elite, you know, and they he can't read a crowd and go home or, you know, I mean, it's just terrible. Yeah. WrestleMania 32, that should have been, he should have, like, as it's a long entrance way. You have time to tell that no one cares. Just say, you know, screw it. Reigns, come out here, spare me, and that's it. But, yeah, can no. you imagine that? Five stars. They have a 25-minute AWA style, like, 1970s match. It's not even, like, it slowed down to the 80s. Yeah, snail's pace, man. Snail's pace. Oh, don't worry, we'll, we'll get him the final three minutes. <laughs> Come on. All right, Ryan, this is a blast, and I'm sure we'll see you again. Maybe we'll see you against Tyler next time, or we'll have some kerfunkle thing. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. All right, Ryan, thank you, buddy. Yep, yeah, thank you.